to every horror movie on Netflix, or should I say, every Halloween movie. That's not on Netflix. Not on Netflix. Mm. Every Halloween movie on Blu-ray, plus every Halloween movie that's now playing at the theaters. Basically every Halloween movie ever. Basically, we watched them all. This is a very special event for us. We usually, as you know, only stick to Netflix movies. We go in alphabetical order, but today we're breaking all the rules I mean, not all the rules. There's no no murder happening here tonight. We're <laughs> not, not yet. We're not, <laughs> we just got started, Chris. Not, I didn't know we had an anti-murder rule, We're actually. not breaking the law, but we're breaking the rules. Is there a show Bible that I've never seen? <laughs> Once again, I'm here. I'm Chris, here with Patrick. Hello. And Steven. Hey, it's and been we, a while. And we ha- yeah, while. we missed you last been a while. time. I miss Spring Fever, too, and I'm not at all sad about it. Uh, well, that's all spring right. Spring Fever, whatever. Cabin Fever. Cabin, Cabin Fever, fever Colon Spring Fever. And we have, a, we have a new guest, a very special guest joining us for this special episode. Brad. Hi, Brad. Hello. Welcome. We always uh, like to know a little bit about our new special guests and kind of what brings them around and, and what their relationship is with the horror genre. So, um, Had you seen any of these movies? I have not. Before uh, you kindly join me on this journey i have not seen any movies any halloween movies Movies at all no movies at all okay so totally not even the first one not you even the not first seen one. the john carpenter classic were you familiar with it like did like the visage of michael myers with the mask mean anything to you prior to seeing these movies i've seen the mask but i didn't know who he was okay oh fascinating for the listening audience, though, Brad is decked out in a very appropriate outfit. He's got an orange shirt, a black cardigan, and I think those are, are those black jeans or just really dark blue jeans? Really dark blue jeans. Okay. Well, you look very orange and black right now. You're very and Halloween-y. And the socks, even. Yeah, and your socks and are socks orange and say, black. And his socks Mustafa Akkad presents. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so ex- explain, Stephen and uh, Patrick, this is, this is your fault. Why are we doing this? It is totally our fault. I think this was actually my idea in the first place, and then Stephen validated me because we were both at a party Who's and then had a couple of beverages. Oh, I'll, I'll take the blame for sure. I'd be happy to as well. Steve I mean. can take the credit. Patrick can take the blame. <laughs> That's how it usually goes. I don't know. We were talking about the new Halloween movie coming up, and we were like, we should watch every Halloween movie ever. I think then we actually looked up how many Halloween movies there were. I, at least, was personally shocked to find out that there were 10. I didn't know there were that many. And I'd seen almost all of them at some point in my life before. And still, I thought it would be really fun to watch them all again. I thought, (laughs) what could go wrong? These seem like kind of trashy B-movies. What were we thinking? Lots of weird breaks in continuity. What were we thinking? Well, I had seen the first two and some of the third one. I I had only seen the first one. I generally held the series in in high regard, although I'd never really gone deep into the sequels. But Halloween, who doesn't like Halloween? So it was interesting for me to to kind of go through. And I had no idea there were this many. Um, I'm also a huge fan of like long franchises that have crazy continuities like Saw. But that's not really what we get in the Halloween franchise. It's some crazy continuity. We're about to get into it, though. We're about to get into it. Or lack thereof, I would so, say. So, guys, let's let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. 1978's <laughs> the year, Halloween. The year is 1978. 
And if you're listening to this show, you've, you're familiar with uh, the first Halloween movie. If you're not, go watch it. But um, I guess the question is, how does it hold up 40 years later for everybody? Not well for me. Actually, I found it to be really clunky, uh, kind of tedious and boring. I'd seen it a number of times. It's something I watch like every three or four years, like hoping that it will chill me the way it's supposed to. It's never really worked for me. I get it's like an important slasher movie, but I don't really like slashers. I had always respected the tropes and the iconic imagery that it introduced into pop culture. But from the first time I had seen the movie, it didn't do that much for me as an actual spooky, scary horror movie. And I watched it this second time kind of going, okay, I'm going to try and see what everybody else sees in it. And I still wasn't getting it. I don't think there's a lot of super scary stuff in this movie. It peaks pretty much in the the opening scene. I love that opening scene where you see Michael Myers through the point of view of the the child Michael Myers as he kills his sister. And you don't know he's a child until right, yeah, right. The surprise reveal. It's a very impactful opening sequence. So, Brad, how did it as a as a modern viewer who had never seen anything Halloween before did not know the name Michael Myers except for from Shrek? How <laughs> how did you feel about Halloween the film? You know, it wasn't as spooky as I thought it was going to be, especially from the hype that I've gotten from a few people that I know who has watched it, but it didn't spook me at all. It didn't even feel like fall when I was watching it. Yeah, it's like John, you can just almost John Carpenter's hand is just out of frame <laughs> dropping those dead leaves imported from Indiana in front of the camera in that opening shot. It's ridiculous. Like it doesn't even it doesn't even look like Halloween. Let's just put a fan outside of frame and throw these leaves around maybe people will think it's fall they won't see the abundant greenery filling the rest of the frame (laughs) chris you were a fan of this film beforehand did it it hold up for you no i i totally understand the criticisms that people in the you know modern audiences can give it like it's a little bit slow like a lot of these movies are michael myers isn't exactly scary i mean part of it is because he's so overexposed kind of like alien if you watch alien today you're not going to think the alien's scary because you've seen him in toy stores and knowing that Mm. michael myers is a guy with a mask but like if you just watch the movie you can't even tell he's wearing a mask until pretty late in the movie right but we take that for granted now like you just see this kind of like bland face at a distance and it's pretty scary i think Mm. if you're not used to that Mm-hmm. Well, I think what made the movie revolutionary when it came out is exactly why it doesn't work, at least for me personally now. I think it was scary to people because here's a killer who has no motive, who is right. just randomly infiltrating the suburbs, you know, just sort of a, a, a generic stalker. I mean, he's called the shape. The he's shape. not even really called Michael Myers by his own name many times in this film. And now I think we've been trained on by horror movies all of all our lives to like want more out of them for them to be quote unquote elevated, you know, like get out and have like a social message. So now it's frustrating to watch this movie and realize that all this carnage that I've sat through for an hour and a half really doesn't add up to anything. Mm-hmm. No. And that's, but I think that's why it was scary to people in the late 70s, because they'd never seen anything like it. They'd that. never seen anything like it. And also, like, you know, you're not that far removed from, like, footage of a train coming into the th- station scaring <laughs> audiences, <laughs> right? Like, Well, that brings up something interesting. You had uh, messaged me saying that the original Halloween is closer to the Wolfman than it is to the new Halloween movie that came out this year. Right. What? The original Halloween was made closer to the Wolfman than oh. to Halloween 2018. Oh. Okay. Which is just kind of weird. It's kind of like Cleopatra being alive closer to the moon landing than to the Great Pyramid being built, which is also true. 
And you know, it's uh, it's got the status in the, the the pantheon of horror cinema as like the first slasher, but it's not. I mean, we can look at Psycho as being the first slasher, right? And obviously, mm. a movie with you know a lot more going on on a, a cere- cerebral level. And then there was I didn't realize this, but Black Christmas, a movie I really love from the guy who went on to direct a Christmas story, I think is arguably the first modern slasher, and that came out like two or three years before this. I don't know. I don't really understand how Halloween has this place as like a, a revolutionary uh, new form of horror storytelling because it got popular. I guess so. I mean, although Psycho was really popular too, but I would be interested to be alive at the time this movie came out and just hear from people why it captured their imagination so much my mom talks about seeing it in the theaters and my dad i think saw it in the theaters and they both loved it my parents too my mom like made me watch that movie when i started getting into horror movies as a kid i think even then it didn't really do much for me my mom can't wait to see the new one really yeah which i mean my mom is like jamie lee curtis's age and so it's kind of cool to you know this movie that she saw is now back and it's got the same actress who she can relate to and Mm -hmm. that's cool Jamie Lee is not great in this first movie, though, I would say. Her performances improve a lot as the franchise right. goes on. <laughs> right. But, you know, I always talk about how I feel like I'm interfacing with a director when I watch these movies. And for me, much of the joy of Halloween is just knowing that it was made on such a small budget. And yeah. John Carpenter is just out of frame throwing leaves. And it's a very simple movie that made a shit ton of money and is pretty effective at what it's trying to do, more or less. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, and let's talk about that score. I mean, when we talk about this movie being iconic, I think people know that simple uh, piano arpeggio just as well as they rec- would, could recognize Michael Myers' mask. For sure. Well, we got to keep moving, guys, because we're doing 11 damn movies this episode. So that's one down, 10 to go. Uh, what do you guys think? Would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Halloween 1978 today. Steven. Cue it. It's it's important. I almost hesitate to say cue it because I really I've never enjoyed this movie. I want to say cue it because it's important, you know, but I felt like subjecting Brad to this movie wasn't really worth it. Brad, I, would you watch it again? I think I would watch it again. So would you would you recommend someone view it or cue it or or screw it? I just recommend somebody to cue it. Cue it. Watch it, but if you don't, no big deal. Right. I say view it. I say, I mean, you know, at least for the historical significance, you should view it. And I hate to stand on that, but I like Halloween. I'm not going to screw Halloween on my horror show. So, (laughs) (laughs) Patrick, what do you say? I would also get on the cue it train. Perfect. That brings us to Halloween 2, which, you know, is an interesting movie because it, it picks up right on the heels of the first Halloween and basically involves... Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who's the sole survivor, practically speaking, of the first movie in a hospital, and Michael Myers shows up and starts killing off the staff. And it begins with, like, the last five minutes of the first Halloween, but shot from a different perspective. Like, I feel like it's more from, like, Loomis's perspective, maybe? Slightly different angles. I almost made me wonder if it was, like alternate takes from the first movie but it really does jump off right where the last one left. we should say as a listener note here that we're gonna be spoiling the shit out oh, yeah. of all these movies with saying. the exception of the halloween 2018 we'll give you a spoiler room break for that one but otherwise we're going to be telling you everything that happens in this movie so when you go into halloween 2018 you will know everything that has happened in the franchise to this point and you can get it 
completely washed out of your head because they they totally starting here it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> the the new movie is a direct sequel to the first movie and not to any of the other ones even the ones that also star Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> no it's fascinating to that that opening scene of the second movie is fascinating to me because sequels used to do that actually you know I've been watching all the Friday the Thirteenth movies this month as well for some fucking reason and all those do that too they'll show you the last sometimes like the last five fucking minutes of the preceding movie, which I kind of like that, you know, kind of our story so far oh, sort of it. thing, you know, last some, week on Halloween. I mean, sometimes it gets excessive, but I wish more movies would do that. Rocky series did that in, yeah. for several movies. That's fun. Yeah. And they also had this, this Rocky two started with them in the hospital too. Yeah. Lots of overlap. I wonder if Rocky was produced by Mustafa Akkad. Maybe. That's about all I'll give this movie credit for, though, because it's fucking boring as hell. Holy shit. It's mostly just Michael ambling around a hospital for 90 minutes. Holy shit. Yeah. And that, and that sounds cool, but it's not really. It it's really not, isn't. And I know this bothered Brad. He doesn't seem to want to chime in, but this hospital is severely understaffed. <laughs> oh, that frustrated me the entire time, especially coming from me, who's worked in hospitals. It completely understaffed, especially in the emergency wing. Yeah, he's like, just walking alone even in like the middle of the night even in the middle of yeah. the night you have at least 10 workers and a few doctors and more yeah. security guards around the entire premises they had one security guard who was basically killed off in the beginning and there's an we're dealing with like somebody who survived a serial killer attack well, like there's, there's there's a lot of people in Haddonfield that need emergency services tonight you know? <laughs> like five. They, should, they should have like called hit up some doctors on pagers maybe they were all killed before it was Halloween night. I mean, presumably everybody'd had a you know a little bit of punch at that point <laughs> at the town Halloween ball, which also kind of baffled me. <laughs> like yes, oh, every important person in Haddonfield is at the same party. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of colossally entertaining moments in this movie that I would rank among my favorite in the entire franchise. One of which is the when we kid. what little kid the kid who's dressed like Michael Myers. That's, is it a little kid? No. It's, no, it's like a full-grown man dressed in like a Michael Myers like jumpsuit and mask who's walking down the street. Everyone mistakes him for Michael Myers. He crosses the street. All of a sudden, a fucking... Is it a van or a car or what? Plows into him. It's a cop car. A cop car. That's right. And then it plows into the side of an ambulance or a van or something like that. And it all just explodes in a fucking fireball. And there was something about the timing of it. It wasn't as funny when I went back and watched it on YouTube. But when I saw it the first time, just the timing of it and the absurdity of all these vehicles crashing into each other and exploding in a fireball was hilarious. I laughed my ass off. It makes zero sense that there would be somebody dressed up in this the costume. Exact same outfit yeah like william shatner mask painted white maintenance worker outfit whatever the fuck it is i was also tremendously entertained by a, a kill scene that takes place in a hydrotherapy tub at the hospital where these two hospital employees sneak off to have a sexy moment in the hydrotherapy tub and michael kills off uh the one guy behind a kind of frosted piece of glass while the woman is waiting for him in the bathtub and then he comes up behind her michael comes up behind the girl and is like touching her and she doesn't realize it's him she thinks it's her boo and it's a really creepy moment actually i was super creeped out by the whole thing and very entertained then he boils her to death in the tub and i thought that was inventive i think that was my favorite scene from the movie just because the editing on that was really well done yeah. uh, for the boiling off her face Oh yeah, I yeah, think there's that a guy different gruesome. reason you guys like that scene. Though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nobody wants to give Pamela Shoop some if props I here. To, I would have said it. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Well, let, let's give the Halloween two the blame uh, that it deserves for introducing was the the dumbest fucking uh, cancer on the franchise, which is the concept that Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, is related to Michael Myers by blood, their sister and brother. Is that a cancer? I actually don't. I I guess I don't have a problem with that concept. Just in it. At, I think it's the dumb because it's that it kind of hurts the every man or the you know this could happen to you kind of sense of the first movie. I yeah. I'm, I think that maybe I heard this on the Shockwaves podcast. I think I heard it from somebody. Maybe it wasn't them, but someone said, "You know why I'm not afraid of Michael Myers? Because I'm not his fucking sister." <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that re- that really is sort of like what the rest of the series hinges on in, in some sense. I mean, we do follow other characters who are also inexplicably related to him but if she was related to michael myers from the beginning wouldn't she have some inkling uh, she would be behaving like laurie does in h20 or the new halloween H2O. movie she'd be like oh my brother's a fucking serial killer don't correct me it's h20 and i'm gonna stand by it all right <laughs> um <laughs> before chris was like i'm gonna have this well, debate no, this isn't the time <laughs> for that debate oh, that's, okay. oh, yeah, that's, that's a few it. movies down the line no i mean like if 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 okay if she's the younger sister and her older sister been killed by her brother i feel like she'd be a lot more cautious than she appears to be in the original halloween oh, but she was adopted she doesn't know okay. blah blah blah, mm. blah blah bullshit 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 i like how it is in the first movie where she gets kind of singled out by michael myers because she like dropped off a real estate packet as haunted ass michael myers house i guess that's true i was trying to remember why he would even care in the first place i guess that's the explanation yeah, it could i don't be know you. i mean you know so the basic problem with all these movies and all is that this never should have been extrapolated upon in the first place like right. it never should have been sequelized in the first place michael right. myers getting up and walking off that lawn and disappearing off that lawn in the first movie you, you can't build on that in an interesting way or a way that makes any sense. You know, it's just kind of a creepy little tag at the end of the movie that he disappears at the end of it. It never should have been built upon. No. And not only that, Michael Myers as a character should not have be it cannot carry a franchise because he has no motivations he has no personality he has no face he has a knife and he's a guy well don't say that to mr rob zombie <laughs> well we'll be getting we'll to, get that, to that but well we should explain at this point um so some like inside baseball stuff like this was actually designed as a franchise but not to follow michael myers the idea was we could make a ton of money off a slasher movie with a generic title called halloween and then if it does well every year we can make a movie called halloween two three four five that it's a completely different story kind of like an extended anthology well that was, brings us to the next movie yeah but would you view cure screw halloween two? I well, would, can i ask a quick yeah. question about that first was that actually carpenter's concept from square one i don't know if it was carpenter's or deborah hills or mustafa, mustafa Akkad's. Mm. i honestly don't know but i know Carpenter's, but that was something that was envisioned from the start with the yeah, first one okay yeah, i mean it was basically i mean the first movie by all accounts, especially, I think Carpenter has admitted to this, was kind of a cash grab. Mm. I mean, he was sort of seeing that horror movies were starting to become more, you know, mainstream again, and that there it was a lot of money to be made in a really cheaply made movie with, you know, that didn't involve a lot of writing. There's so many special effects. There's so many what ifs that, that introduces. I mean, because that idea of an anthology of movies that are set at Halloween is actually pretty cool. It's a great idea. So, anyway, would no, you- I would screw Halloween too. Oh, yeah. Screw it. Fuck it. Not even because it's a horror. I mean, a lot of people say it's one of the best of the sequels, but just because I think it was the beginning of 
Michael Myers as a franchise anchor and the beginning of the Laurie Strode blood relative stuff, like it, it, it damaged, I think, the franchise hugely by just existing. There are two, like I said, there are two moments in it that I found entertaining. I already described them to you guys in like 45 seconds. Other than that, this movie's boring as hell. What do you think, Brad? Screw it. Super boring. Steven. Steven. Yeah, screw it. I mean, the last thing I'll say about this before I move on is that, you know, I was kind of confused as to what Carpenter's role was in the franchise going forward. He and Deborah Hill did write this movie, and that's disappointing to me. They knew they were making a piece of shit. Yeah. Mm. Screw it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we go to Halloween 3, I'm just going to say something nerdy about Mustafa Akkad, because I read his whole life story today. I Which, was, who we should explain who he is. Right, I was curious <laughs> about him because every Halloween movie starts with this like black screen, and the, it, the first thing you see is Mustafa Akkad presents, <laughs> and then it's like Halloween, and I'm like, who the hell is Mustafa Akkad? He, like he thinks he's Alfred Hitchcock right. or something. Well, he was a uh, he's a Syrian director and producer. And basically, he wanted to make epics like David Lean that kind of translated the Islamic world to Western audiences. But he basically produced the Halloween movies as a cash grab because he thought they were very profitable. And he kind of used that money to kind of pursue his passion projects, which were these uh, Islamic films. Oh, that's kind of cool, though. And this is probably not why the point of view scene exists in Halloween, but I thought it was very interesting. So his first movie, his like masterpiece, is called The Message, and it was about the story of Muhammad. The problem with making a movie about Muhammad is, does anyone know? Yeah, you can't you depict can't, him. You can't depict him. Yeah, <laughs> like he. So he shows like a shadow on a wall and stuff, which was controversial enough. But one of the things he did is he relied on point of view of Muhammad. Wow. And so it's kind of weird that he produced that, and then he did Halloween, which is also notable for a point of view shot. That seems like it would be message. more offensive than portraying him any other way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but uh, so that was his thing. And he he did love the Halloween series, though. He loved Michael Myers. He demanded that Michael Myers never be killed yeah uh, which and, leads to which led to some interesting complications later on in the yeah. franchise that i learned about that i'll share later and then uh his son now has kind of inherited uh the the purse strings for halloween because mustafa akkad <laughs> was actually uh killed in a suicide bombing uh in 2005 Fuck. in a hotel i think in syria again or maybe somewhere else wow um, so yeah so when you see mustafa akkad or you see dedicated to mustafa akkad that's who we're talking about. That's tragic. Yeah, it is. Wow. So, Halloween 3, Season Halloween of the Witch. Three, season <laughs> of the Witch. And this is the movie that breaks away from Michael Myers. It dares to try to make Halloween a holiday f- anthology instead of a uh, Michael Myers fiesta. And it introduces, arguably, the most memorable piece of music in the Halloween franchise. <laughs> never gets old <laughs> Love it. and you do uh, hear it uh, how many fucking times does anybody want to estimate in this movie how many times we hear the at song at least 10 oh yeah I, w- I would say more than 10 so the, the premise of halloween 3 is basically uh there's a a shady corporation inflammatory anti-irish sentiment in this movie <laughs> it's silver shamrock corporation led by a, a irish guy and uh they're they're just they're the nation's largest seller of halloween masks for kids and there's a there's a little murder mystery going on and a uh doctor and a daughter of a victim are trying to trying to solve it trying to get to the bottom of it and they're like a hilariously 
iconic Halloween mask company. Like every kid knows Silver Shamrock and wants to have a Silver yeah, Shamrock it's like mask. Pokemon. Yeah. Well, because they're they're being brainwashed. To what ends I never understood. It involves Stonehenge somehow. Yeah. And a they, bunch of computers in a circle with lightning <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> they their master conspiracy is they stole a piece of Stonehenge, like one of the huge tablets, and turned it into an occult ritual thing where they took pieces of Stonehenge and sewed them into the masks so that when a signal goes out over TV it activates it and turns their heads and their bodies into maggots and spiders and snakes amazing I mean it is (laughs) to quote one of our other favorite podcasts bonkers it really is but by the time it gets there I was so exhausted I didn't care whatever the payoff was going to be I feel like this movie was just kind of a slog it feels like a ton of movies kind of stapled together. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's, it feels like a James Bond movie at times because mm. you got the like villains lair. And by the way, all his henchmen are robots. Which, oh, I forgot that. That was a delightful surprise to me. I, I did not see that coming. I did know the masks were going to be fucked up. I did not know the henchmen were robots. There's also almost an element of like a sort of traditional 70s paranoia movie too, where there are these two like very everyman kind of characters, this man and woman who are slowly unveiling this conspiracy and it's in a company town like the the halloween mask company yeah. runs the town so everybody's yeah. in on it and everyone's a robot it's amazing and there's pas throughout the town too so it's like they have a curfew at like 10 p.m for yeah. everybody to go inside so they can have their demonic shit happen at night right maybe that's when they plant the spiders in the mask <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but it's a creepy visual when you see the spiders in the mask i like that yeah it's cool there's there's i wouldn't say it's a great movie but there were a lot of little things i liked in halloween 3 i well, mean I'll, I'll give it points for being creative and bizarre and just sort of audacious i guess but it's not cohesive <laughs> at all no it's not i did like that they tried to break away from michael myers do something new and of course yeah. the the audiences rejected it because well, it's too little too late you can't come out with the halloween 2 where people expect that michael myers is going to keep you know rising back from the grave or from the flames and then drop this on them with halloween in the title i can understand why people felt burned by it and to add insult to injury the like it's not in the same universe because they watched the original halloween movie on tv oh yeah in this movie and it's advertised as something like the enduring classic halloween <laughs> the movie came out what season of the witch came out in 82 halloween came out in 78 so it's been four years it's already an enduring classic i feel like that's awful ballsy especially when it's your own movie that you produced <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, and there's no witch in this movie. It's oh, called no. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and there's no witch other than the witch masks that we see the kids wear. And they don't use the Donovan song. I was really expecting exactly. like that to be like a killer like credits cue at the end or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sang it to myself a lot after I watched this movie. Let me tell you my favorite part real quick. Like I said, the robot thing took me completely by surprise. <laughs> the whole action starts with one of these robot henchmen kills somebody and then goes to a car and just sets himself on fire. <laughs> and then there's a lab assistant who's like sifting through the pieces, trying to like identify the remains or whatever. And she's like, someone messed up and sent me parts of the car instead of the body, blah, 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 blah. And then that comes back around. Turns out she had the parts of the body, but the body's a robot. Uh, I thought that was clever. I like that. I like the little medical lab stuff. Lots of fun little notes in here. I say, cue it. Also, we should note there's a really dumb last minute twist where one of our heroes turns out to be a robot because the movie like needs some sort of shocking. Well, no, she gets turned into a robot. I don't. Whatever. I thought it was. It She's was human. The love interest gets captured 
And then when she is released, she's a robot and tries to kill our other hero. And the joke is, as a robot, she has more agency than when she was a human woman. Is that... Wait, you're saying that's that, their joke that's or you're joke. making a joke? I, I'm oh, making okay. an observation right. because she is kind of just like a, you know, what, 18 and like exists to have sex with the 50-year-old hero. I actually thought she had kind of some spark and that she did have some agency. That I was I was particularly disappointed in that twist because it felt like it sort of robbed her of that and robbed me of what I thought was a somewhat engaging character in this movie. Man. I don't know. Different strokes. Screw it. It leaves a lot open to interpretation. Screw it. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? I'm going to say cue it because it is creative and it's, if you're interested in the franchise, it's worth checking out just for its interesting departure from the subject matter of all the other movies. It's interesting. I say cue it. I really liked it. Um, I mean, obviously it was, it fell flat in several points and you get bored, but it was very creative. I just, the moral of the story for me is don't, listen to the audiences don't let the audiences tell you what they think they want because they don't know fuck the audiences which actually will except come, our we'll audience we love our listeners oh yeah Chris, i give, wait, I give the soundtrack you... a view it though or a, a, <laughs> a listen to it oh no actually yeah the soundtrack outside of the annoying theme song that they play on the tv for the mass commercials is really cool it's great i listen to it all the time i've probably listened to it nine or ten times since seeing this movie yeah it's super chill and the villain was a good actor cochran Oh, yeah. He was good. All right. Anyways, Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, guys. He's back. Yeah. They bring that. They put that right in the tagline so you know that this yeah. is not going to be a shitty movie like Halloween 3. <laughs> and it took him six years to bring him back. It came wow. out, I believe, the year the three of us were born, right? We're all 88 babies. Oh, yeah. So there is kind of a big, mm-hmm. there's a big jump in the franchise where you're like, feel like you're watching contemporary movies all of a sudden. <laughs> the franchise is very like Michael. So often you think it's dead and yet no matter how uh, definite the death seems to have been, it still comes back every few years. Yeah. Every few years around Halloween, Mustafa Akkad returns to make a killing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Laurie is out of the picture in this one. And this was one of the things that really blew my mind. I was just trying to figure out what the fuck was going on for the first probably 20 minutes of this movie because Halloween 2 the last time we saw all these characters Halloween 2 ends with Laurie being safe in the back of an ambulance Dr. Loomis who we haven't talked about at all yet actually but he's a recurring character certainly uh, Dr. Loomis sacrificing himself and apparently dying and killing Michael Myers in the process in an inferno in an inferno blaze yeah just sets the hospital on fucking fire. And at the beginning of this movie, everything we thought we knew from the end of the previous movie has been reversed. Lori is now dead and Michael and Dr. Loomis are alive. Dr. Loomis has some fucking weird burn on his face. It looks like someone just stuck a fucking prosthetic ear on his cheek. Yeah. And it's like different from scene to scene. It's very glaring. It's hilarious. (laughs) And it's appropriate that we're talking about Loomis now, because I feel like this is Loomis's movie. Oh, this is where he really gets time to shine. Is it that compelling I don't think so. Compared to everything else in the movie, though, like, as shitty as these movies get, I rarely get tired of seeing batshit alarmist Loomis. Like, <laughs> he seems tanked oh, in almost yeah. every scene in this film. Michael Myers becomes so unintimidating in Halloween 4, Halloween 5. His mask looks like shit. The kills are shit. To have Donald Pleasant still going around, like, selling you that this guy's terrifying and you need to call the National Guard, it helps. He's so much more batshit than I remembered. Like, I certainly remembered this character from the first time I saw Halloween, but when I rewatched Halloween for this little mission that we've been on, I was like, holy shit, Pleasant plays him so much more over the top than I remembered. Like, the character is fucking crazy. 
there are some interesting moments for Michael in this. Like, I, I, I enjoyed the moment at the end where our disposable heroine of the movie is trying to get away from Michael, and he's on top of a truck, just, like, clinging to the truck as she's trying to shake him off the truck and also protect uh, our young protagonist, Jamie. Jamie, little is, Jamie, who is going to be with us for a few movies. This yeah. is supposedly... Laurie's daughter. Laurie Strode, a.k.a. Jamie Lee Curtis, her daughter, who is now in, like, foster family. Yeah. Um, and because Michael Myers, of course, has a thirst to kill off his own bloodline or something, now she's, you know, his main target. Something interesting, this movie I thought looked fucking terrible. This is like the worst shot movie I've ever seen. Brad, as you, you're nodding em- emphatically. Yeah, it was not a good, shot, well shot movie at all. It looks like ass. It's hideous. And I mean, the Blu-ray is not great either. But I mean, this is a really, I, from the opening shot, is one of the most unpleasant things I've seen in a long time. And you know it's a shitty movie when I'm Googling the name of the cinematographer to We're gonna see call that motherfucker where he gets <laughs> off. Uh, <laughs> to see where he gets off. The, it was shot by Peter Lyons Collister. And would you care to know what other movies he has shot? Please yeah. enlighten us. Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks. Road Chip. How about the Squeakquel? Is that is that that? Mm, no, but okay. other than that, basically any movie that's ever been enjoyed by a douchebag, such as <laughs> Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, um, uh, True Memoirs of an International Assassin, starring Kevin James. Oh God, Mr. Deeds. Rob Schneider is the animal. Brendan Fraser in Furry Vengeance. <laughs> Um, surviving Christmas with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> this Dunstan checks in. I'm not fucking You're with you. You're just trolling us. At I'm this not point. trolling you. These are his. That's his filmography. Oh my god. And so yeah, he, it's directed with all the competence of of or, or shot with all the competence that you'd expect from from that resume. Holy shit. Yeah. Man, and you know, so somebody pointed out about Loomis that he is put into this position of having to, like, run around and convince people of Michael's evilness, which especially in this movie just struck me as so absurd because at this point michael has now gone on multiple killing sprees and loomis is still running around like just screaming at people that michael is evil it's like you this is ludicrous that he would have to try and convince people of this at this point he's like a stand-in for mustafa akad at this point like come on guys there's a reason we're still making these movies (laughs) basically you know uh mustafa akad was asked how many halloween movies is he gonna make he said i'm gonna make 22 because he asked Donald Pleasance how many he would do, and he said 22. <laughs> <laughs> I think Donald Pleasance was talking about shots. Movies, no. the, the creation of the Halloween franchise really is a great American story. It's uh, but capitalism you, in a nutshell. You know, but we get into this rut with, with Halloween 4. It, it, these movies just become very uh, formulaic to me. And, you know, you get like some obligatory Michael Myers creeping around, an attempt at a slow boil that doesn't work. Some characters you don't give a shit about. And then, you know, at the last half hour, Michael's like chasing people and it becomes a little more entertaining because there's a lot of action. And then that's it. I don't remember. Is this the one that ends with the shootout with Michael yes. Myers like falling through the basement ruins? Basically, yeah. they, they yeah, okay. barricade everyone inside the sheriff's house and they, you know, Michael kills everybody. And then there's a chase. There's a, he gets hit with a car and then he gets lit up by the entire police department. Like, like talk about 22 shots times a few. The guy's got a, a semi-automatic shotgun. He's just unloading into Michael. And then, they, <laughs> and then he falls into a sinkhole and gets buried alive. 
It's pretty yeah. comical, actually. It is. It is. And then one of the most masterful twists in the entire franchise. The most memorable moment in this movie. Yeah. For sure. We we see another like point of view of the killer, and we think Michael's returned because he didn't really... Con- I mean, he did get blown up, but we've seen him come back from worse. He's creeping through the house. He kills the little Jamie's foster mom, and we find out it's actually little Jamie. She's got the curse. She's, she's got the clown costume she's on. She's got too. the clown costume because she touched Michael as he was dying. And Oh, is that why that's supposed to happen? Now she has the evil. And and she Loomis has the is evil. there like about to like shoot her, just screaming, No, because now Jamie's Michael Myers. And I'm like, Yes, perfect. You know, I don't remember if it's four or five where little Jamie has the telepathic bond with Michael Myers. It's five. It's five. It's okay. five. They totally dismiss that twist in Halloween 5. Yeah, it's a creepy moment. It's creepy in the same way that it's creepy when we see Michael after killing his sister in the first movie. Because Jamie has been such a sweet and innocent kid this whole movie. and we creepier. become pretty, you know, she's endearing. And then it's like, oh, wow, that's pretty unsettling. And maybe we'll see what happens with Jamie as a child killer or a teen killer or something in the next film. But no, it pretty much gets thrown out the window. I mean, Jamie is institutionalized in the next movie, but basically she's... She's the protagonist still. She's a strong character, and there's really nothing else about her having killed anybody. You know? Speaking of institutionalized, I this movie has a fetish for comas and psych wars. <laughs> Four like, or even, five. No, I mean, I'm sorry, the franchise. Oh, honestly. yeah. How many times, and you know, I'm sure we can count plenty more in the next few movies, um, does a character spend either half or an entire movie in a coma or hospitalized or in a psych ward? Or, even uh, Michael Myers. tonic, you yeah. know, and just not talking. Yeah. What a mess. So would you view it, cue it, or screw Halloween 4, Steven? Screw it. I give it my strongest screw it so far. Mm. Screw it, definitely. Passion. Yeah, so screw it. I think I would agree with the strongest screw it so far. I mean, 2 is dull. 4 is really fucking dull. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. I, I also say screw it. It's it may be my least favorite of the franchise, to be honest. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, it gets so much <laughs> no, worse. It's not. It, it gets, gets so worse. much worse. It gets worse. But, fun fact... This season, Universal Studios, Hollywood Horror Nights, Mm -hmm. has a Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers maze. Oh, what? They picked Halloween 4, and I guess the maze follows the beats of the movie. You see the roadside diner where he kills everybody and and, and all that stuff. But I want to get on a plane and go check it out. So yeah, Halloween Five. Halloween Five is the Jamie returns of Michael Myers. Oh, the curse. Yeah. It the, no, it's the it's the revenge. The revenge, yeah. It's the revenge of Michael Six Myers. Six is the curse. And oh, that makes sense. Okay. It opens with one of my favorite sequences of the series, and this is really, I think, the direction these movies should have gone a little bit more in. It again ends right on the heels of Halloween Four. So you see Michael getting shot up. You see him fall into the sinkhole, but then we stay with him <laughs> as he gets sucked through the sinkhole into like an underground mine. That's like uh, they throw dynamite into the sinkhole to finish him off, and he like barely escapes. He's like cr- sliding down a river as the explosion tears apart the mine behind him. Oh, that was comical to me. I laughed. Yeah, out it was loud. comical, oh, but okay. it seems like it was. It wasn't tongue in cheek, but it seems like it. It felt that way, and I wish they would do have more fun with the idea of Michael just like can't be killed, and he's like always doing sneaky stuff. Yeah, yeah. This these movies are at this point like a perfect metaphor for for capitalism in the film industry. Like <laughs> like that opening shot is just like Michael like struggling to hold on to stay relevant, to stay alive, <laughs> so they can make another movie. <laughs> right. This one opens up with Jamie being mute, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Jamie is mute for most of this movie, and then somehow she 
randomly starts talking again. Was it because she got scared and yeah, she it's, found it's, her voice? It's trauma-induced muteness, which is apparently a real like medically noted condition. So theoretically, okay. the events of the first movie made her mute. And then I forget what happens in this movie that causes her to start speaking again. But apparently that actually happens in real life after people experience trauma sometimes. So I don't know. There's, this, there was very little memorable about this movie for me. This is a movie that I hated. I hated <laughs> it for so long. And then it, I switch turned and I was like, I think I love this movie. <laughs> what was the switch? What happened? It just got to a part where it was just so insane. So bizarre. I, I just couldn't look away and I wanted to see more. <laughs> like, like it starts off the way the rest of these do, but then it gets to this point where like Jamie is like, touching michael's face and it's a tender <laughs> moment and then like loomis is like beating him with a two by four <laughs> and I, I was like yes this is beautiful this is amazing. it does feel like this is the the movie where uh it, it doesn't last that long where like it's fully embraced by mustafa akkad and the other producers that like this is a fucking soap opera <laughs> oh yeah it's <laughs> it a goes so far over the top and also Tina is in it, who I fell in love with. Tina. Tina. Tell Tina, me about Tina. Tina was uh, is the the friend of Jamie's foster sister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's very vivacious and has a seems like she's a little bit in on the joke the whole time. She's like the irreverent friend. That's all I gotta say about didn't, Tina. Tina didn't do much for me. The man in black makes his first appearance in oh, this, God. which is just the setup for the dumbest fucking non-reveal of all time. There's a guy who's like sort of cowboy looking dude in all black who s- starts showing up. We don't know who he is and he busts Michael out of jail and kidnaps Jamie at the end and that's the end and we don't know who he is. It's a really fucking stupid ending that is only to become even fucking stupider when we learn more about it in the next film. Oh, I, I did like how uh, this movie has longer sequences of suspense than the other ones, kind of. It, I mean, it's you could call it filler, or you could call it <laughs> you know, taking its time. But there's some scenes that just kind of stretch out a little bit longer than usual. Which is what I want out of these movies. Like, I don't, I don't really care about the interpersonal drama and all the, you know, the family lineage bullshit. I just want to be scared. I want to feel tense. You know, the way that I well that i didn't even feel in the original film but you know they're slasher movies i they give us too much to chew on to the point that i don't even remember some of the characters we're talking about that'd be nice but i almost feel like it's asking too much like i'm i would just be happy because i i like soap opera e kind of things like i love the fast and the furious movies because they just feel like a giant fucking soap opera and i would take even just the soap opera stuff in these movies actually being better done you know things like the man in black actually fucking paying off in some way or another and then i feel like suspense is if i can get that as well that'd be just cherry on the fucking sunday but i don't even have the vanilla ice cream to begin with you know i mean this is a good point to check in on like where we were at in the journey so far at this fifth film oh, i need to view it cue it or screw it from you first you do okay screw it uh Brad. screw it Patrick. Screw it. I say cue it. Fuck you guys. Wow. This movie was batshit and I kind of liked it. <laughs> All right. Continue, Steven. Oh, well, what I was going to say is like when I was thinking about, oh, let's watch the whole franchise, which I've seen most of the sequels or bits of them more than I've seen the first two movies. I had never seen Halloween 2 when we started this this adventure, if you want to call it that. Because this like adventure. AMC and <laughs> sci-fi, when they do their, their horror movie marathons, they would almost exclusively only show four, five, and six. They wouldn't show hmm. the first one, the second one, or Season of the Witch, and they often would show them out of order. 
I don't know if you guys have a lot of experience watching these like AMC Fear Fest marathons or whatever. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. But I thought like, oh, I I remember they kind of turn into like sort of a ridiculous soap opera at some point. And there's lots of good, you know, gore and kills and stuff. I thought it would be fun on that level. It ended up just being kind of exhausting. No, if if they commit to that more. Yeah. Because four, five and six kind of work as a trilogy. They're they're tonally similar. Yeah. Because I mean, with. I can see that. With H20, they realized that the past H2O. several movies have been fucking shitty and that they need to discard it all. So, yeah, four, five, and six. A couple other this. general thoughts on the franchise I have. One is any scene where Michael Myers drives a car is hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because he's just this this lumbering shape that you, you really only see, for the most part, either standing up or doing that kind of like... That Count Dracula thing when he's lying on the ground after he's been shot and he sits up perfectly straight on the way. <laughs> Michael up. Myers ab yeah. workout. Yeah, like, like, I don't want to see Michael Myers, you know, driving a car, ordering, you know, takeout. Like it's just not scary. Like, you assume he does these things, but yeah, you just see him like kind of stand around or like that that look he does where he just kind of like looks to the side, like when he doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> and then you see him like driving a car and like speeding away. I'm like, what? That reminds me, it was like at this, it was probably before this point, but something I really, I latched onto while watching these movies is like the evolution of the mask. Ugh. Or the evolution of the it's, mask. Yeah, the, the, the evolution of the mask. The mask is different in every movie, and, you know, arguably it never looks even remotely as good or as creepy or as like form fitting as it is in the first film. Halloween 6, I would argue, has the worst mask in the whole series. Anybody want to back me up on that? I would agree. It's the worst mask in this round of movies I, got, I think like, it his, gets... ha- his hair is like a little bit like spiky like he's a skater boy it's definitely like the <laughs> chunkiest mask like the neck you know would normally he would tuck the neck of the mask into his shirt it's just kind of hanging out really wide kind of like bell shape i don't know steve you might be thinking of halloween five or four because in my notes halloween six says the mask is better oh that's all i have nothing else to back that up but i remember it looking horrible in four and five and i liked it better in six the worst masks by far in Halloween Resurrection in H20 because the mask has eyebrows suddenly, which oh, yeah. is really fucking weird. But yeah, the mask just, it definitely degenerates over time. They started drawing features in a mask like those eyebrows. That was really, yeah. really concerning for me. Yeah, they're like badly penciled on eyebrows. Sometimes Michael Myers feels like glamming it up. I mean, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Here, let me grab that Sharpie. I got to draw on some eyebrows today. I got to look more menacing. Man, actually, you know what? I might be full of shit. There are some eyebrows on the mask in the original version. They're just not as pronounced. They're not as arched as they were in H20. All right, guys. I happen to have the, the brand new Fangoria back from the dead with uh, Michael Myers on the cover. What's a Fangoria, Steven? If you don't know what Fangoria is, you should go listen to a different podcast. Whoa. Um, no, stay here. We love you guys. <laughs> we love you. It's the Definitive Horror Fan Magazine. The back Definitive again. Horror Fan That's Magazine. say rude. I mean, seriously, though. Uh, I'm looking. There's a spread of all the Michael Myers masks. Uh, the article is The Changing Shape. And I think, ooh, yeah, six... Let me, okay. Six might be the worst. Let's Let pass see. this around. Six and seven both look pretty rough. That's when the eyebrows come out. Oh, yeah. Four is fucking abysmal. Or four and five are abysmal. Look at that shit. I mean, they're almost all terrible. There are <laughs> to some. Be fair. So there are some eyebrows in the earlier ones. They just get more pronounced as time goes along. That's a beautiful magazine, though. I may have to subscribe. You should look it's- at that perfect bound, thick as fuck. <laughs> 
T-H-I-C-C. <laughs> All right, are these in order? Yeah. Wow, four does look like shit. Holy shit. So who wants to talk about Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers? Oh, I'd be thrilled to. I mean, this is really, I think, uh, maybe the high point in, in the franchise, or at least the like original continuity for me, because... We get some cult action up in this shit. Suddenly we feel the need to explain how Michael Myers is, you know, invincible and has lasted this long. No, sustained this many injuries. I mean, you talk about a batshit movie. This movie is batshit to me. This movie is pretty batshit. We got Paul Rudd. Paul Steven Rudd. It's it's the at the point of his career where he was still Paul Steven Rudd, apparently. Yeah, Paul Rudd. It's hilarious because, you know, at the time, I'm sure not many people knew who he was. I don't know if he'd done TV or music videos or commercials or what, but, like, he's it's child. impossible to take him seriously in this movie. Right. Well, yeah, because he's Paul Rudd. I mean, one of the things that entertained me about this movie is, I mean, because, you know, Paul Rudd has a great sense of humor and a great comedian's mind, and I just kept imagining, like, what was going through Paul Rudd's mind as he was like playing this movie semi straight like he had to have just thought it was fucking hilarious you know and he was a michael myers enthusiast in this movie wasn't he yeah he's like a michael myers fanboy so he was just running around town being like michael myers is back guys yeah he's got his own website well he plays tommy doyle who is the boy that laurie strode was babysitting in the original halloween which is kind of a cool throwback kind of a cool throwback if you've been paying attention to the movies it's communicated because he's tommy doyle and they have a newspaper clipping on the wall that says and i quote tommy doyle survives babysitter bloodbath Mm -hmm. and this goes back to a point that i don't remember who made earlier everybody that has a significance in this goes back to laurie or the family and has some sort of relationship with them Right. Mm -hmm. Which is just, uh, it's so frustrating because, again, we have this movie that's the first film that's like sort of perfect in its own way for what it is, for being totally self-contained, not really having any sort of like backstory or mythology, you know, aside from the events that we see unfold in the film. Like, I don't fucking care about the kid who she was babysitting in the first movie. I mean, it's like the, it's like the Star Wars prequels. I I don't care what Anakin was like as a fucking kid. He's not scary. But if there's going to be another Halloween movie, I sort of appreciate the soapiness of it that we now have that baby, baby sat kid being a protagonist of sorts. He's old enough to be a babysitter himself now. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. This movie, though, is uh, apparently uh, test audiences responded poorly to it. And one of the actors in the film described the test audience as being comprised um, exclusively of 14 year olds. And so they they changed the ending. There are two different cuts of this film. We obviously only saw the theatrical um, version, but I've heard that the... um, there's the a other producer's version, cut. The producer's cut, yeah. That doubles down not on the cult different. stuff, yeah. I've heard. I've yeah. heard it is different. I don't know how different, but I've heard that it really doubles down on the like cult stuff. They go into all this horse shit. Michael Myers is evil because he had the Mark of Thorn from the pagan times. Jesus Christ. Hold on. So did the Mark of Thorn make an appearance in an earlier movie? <laughs> yeah, it shows up briefly in five. Okay. It's on the hand or whatever. Was it like... I? Because I didn't get the sense there's any kind of like overarching plan. This is not the MCU we're talking about here. <laughs> like they 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 just expected they were going to keep making sequels, but bringing in new writers and directors. Was it just like a fluke that maybe the actor who played Michael Myers had a tattoo on his hand, and they were like, <laughs> "Oh wow, we should play with that." No, it's actually shown in like a close up. I think briefly in Halloween Five, like they make a point of showing that tattoo. They were they were trying to do something with it i doubt that they knew what <laughs> they wanted to do with it but they they pointedly showed it okay uh i don't even remember what happened in this movie but i do remember the things that i liked 
which one is a subtle note. Paul Rudd goes to the train station because he's looking for a baby. He's looking for Jamie's baby. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. That's, don't have a newborn baby as a MacGuffin in your horror movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. Which we should say Jamie gets dispatched by Michael very early in very this early. movie. Jamie is now like 17 or something and she's having a baby and then she gets killed and Michael wants to kill the baby because, again, he needs to end his bloodline. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, and the baby was born two days ago, but it's like 12 pounds. That's <laughs> <laughs> insane. Uh, but he goes to the train station to look for the baby, and there's a, there's a ra- map of the rail line. And it has Haddonfield on it. It has Smith's Grove on it, which is, of course, where the asylum is. Yeah. And then it has some other Illinois towns. And I actually looked them up, and those are real Illinois towns. So based on, on the map in Halloween 6, we can approximate the actual location of Haddonfield in the United States. And I thought that was cool. There's also a sexy bride of Frankenstein, which, as you know, is my fetish. Um, <laughs> oh man, I've got a T-shirt to send you. Oh yes, off cast. Okay. okay. And then the ending of this movie is amazing. Are you shitting me? Not the very ending. Okay, yeah. Not the, not very the part ending where like Donald Pleasance is like, "I have some things to take care of," and then it's like, "In memory of Donald Pleasance." <laughs> yeah. You hear him scream off camera. You have no idea what happened to Loomis, oh, and that's Pleasance's like last movie in this movie. So they the could stop doing the shitty makeup. Like he says, he had plastic surgery, like a skin graft or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Finally. <laughs> they're in like the headquarters of the cult, which happens to be there. It's like a, they're doing science and cult stuff at the same time. <laughs> and it's I not like that. unlike season of the witch. It's not unlike season of the witch. It's not unlike uh, like some of the Resident Evil, like Resident Evil Four and stuff. Uh, great video game. You have like cult people who are trying to harness science in addition to their cult stuff. I like that. And there's scenes where Paul Rudd and company are sneaking around in like the operating theater, and you get to watch Michael Myers like premeditating. And I thought that was a lot of fun. Like he looks through the windows, he goes over the table, he like picks out his weapon. <laughs> like that was really fun. So I, I guess none of that stuff turned the dial. None of the stuff that you just mentioned turned the dial for me. What really bothered me is that Paul Rudd like grabs tubes full of some like acid acid jams them into michael beats the shit out of him with like a pipe or a two oh, by yeah. four or it's something a it's, it's a, a pipe, pipe in this yeah. one and i went back and watched this ending twice because i didn't understand what the fuck happened all of a sudden michael has disappeared loomis has disappeared and the last thing we hear in the movie is loomis screaming chris this might be a good time to bring up your grand unified theory of uh, oh yeah michael myers well we enter this this pattern in these halloween movies where there's a recurring theme where Michael Myers basically just kills everybody and then he meets somebody whose only unique factor is that they've had enough of Michael Myers' shit and they just beat him down. They just kick his ass in a very ungraceful way. Like Loomis just like hits him with a two by four and that's the end of Michael Myers. Paul Rudd just hits him with a pipe and that's the end of Michael Myers. It happens again in the, I mean, H2O kind of happens like, and then resurrection, a guy just gets pissed off and karate's him. Yeah. And <laughs> all you have to do to kill Michael Myers is just, get pissed off at him all you have to do is just have the requisite amount of passion the rage the passion the passion not the fear (laughs) and you had those you had those green tanks in in halloween six with the fetuses in them that like kind of alluded to maybe michael myers is like a genetic experiment i thought that's what they were going for it's the first i mean excluding season of the witch which is its own unique animal it's the first um halloween movie that really feels like it's of a new era and even of like a very new visual aesthetic it just pops with like lurid color the whole way through the editing is super super hyper it's very very 90s and it just feels like a totally different creative 
aesthetic. So would you say view it, cue it, or screw it? I would say cue it because it's fucking batshit and it's unlike any of the other movies. And it's actually entertaining. It actually moves. It it has some kind of pace and there are things happening at least, even if they're sort of hyper and don't make sense sometimes. One final quick note, best Donald Pleasance performance in the franchise, in my opinion. This is the one where Pleasant seems the most sort of in his element and self-aware and the most entertaining. Really That's enjoyed him in this him. movie. I don't remember. <laughs> <gave> it all <laughs> literally. I don't remember he, he Donald ledgered. Pleasance being in this movie other than at the end. Oh, he's in the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Brad. I would say screw it. Didn't like it at all. Not at all. Steven. Screw it. But if anybody wants to watch the, uh, if our listeners want to do the homework and watch the producer's cut, get back to me. Judging this movie purely on, like, against other Halloween movies, I do kind of admire. Like, as Patrick said, it moves. It's got a style, which is something the previous two films didn't have at all. Mm-hmm. And it's totally fucking bonkers. I mean, it, it makes sense that if you're going to keep this franchise running at some point, you've got to throw in the supernatural. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense that Michael Myers keeps coming back from the dead. So, I mean, I give it some points for just going all out crazy soap opera nonsense, but it's still a screw it. I could, I didn't even remember the fucking babies in jars at the end. That's how exhausted <laughs> I was by the time we got there. It is exhausting. I'll give it a cue. I mean, I don't know to what extent I'm grading on a curve at this point with the Halloween series, but I thought there was enough inventive stuff in it and enough, you know, it had style. It was fun. Anyway, Halloween 6, cue it. And that's the end of that continuity uh, because now we go to Halloween H2O 20 years later. Okay, it's not H2O. Please offer at least some rational explanation for why you keep saying this. I got this. it right here, motherfucker. This is a <laughs> this is a teaser from a, the a, a ad that was on a, like a VHS tape of the day. And I remember these ads. This is why I know it's H2O. Listen to this, bitch. Listen <laughs> <laughs> to that lives up to the original Halloween H2O. What? Yeah, it was it promoted possible? as H2O. Is it possible if they didn't give the movie trailer voice guy like notes on how to say it? And he's like, That was what it was all like. The commercials were like this. I remember the, the movie day, trailer. But no why? one said H20. I mean, but the reason it's 20 is it's 20 years later. Yeah, it came out in 1998. We all appreciate that. And the tagline is 20 years later. The full title is like Halloween H2O, 20 years later. It's great. But H2O I don't know. Is, H2O, I mean, it's like water it's, like it's, it's even like that's I'm why look, it's funny i'm looking up the trailer on youtube that's right supposed to now be funny though it's supposed to be scary it's halloween and they're all typed out h20 not h2 the letter if your o. phone number is 240 do you say 240 or do you say 240 or 240 i don't know wow yeah the trailers all the trailers patrick's trying to find another trailer that says h20 no you guys it, i agree it's typed h20 but it's said h2o so can we get on the same page please god damn you because yeah but h- can we just call it what it should be called which is h20 h20 just makes it sound like it's halloween 20 all right we've already made 19 other movies let's do disagree. A number 20 disagree but that would that would be too shy of donald pleasant's uh <laughs> donald pleasant's initial uh offering. i mean Here's what I'll say about all this. We haven't said Halloween II or Halloween III or Halloween IV. Oh, God, the most awkward one to text is HIV, Halloween 4. Like, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I had to correct myself. Chris neglected to when we were talking about the other day. <laughs> it's H-fucking-20, and that's what I'm going to call it. Well, you can be wrong. I don't care. I'm just trying to save <laughs> 20 years later. I'll alternate between the two. So H2O breaks Play continuity. 
and it's a direct sequel to Halloween 2. Breaks continuity, thank God. Yeah, so all the stuff that we became invested in about the mark of uh, Thorn and little Jamie and the Foster family, it's all out the window for H2O. Now yeah, we, we, we meet up with Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee. This movie was made in 1998, so 20 years after the original. She's a, a headmistress at a, oh, a do you private mean school. Two o years after the original. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's at a boarding school in California. Yeah, struggling with the PTSD. Struggling with the, her teenage son, played by Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Introducing oh, God, yeah. Josh Hartnett. This is his first movie. I think so. Wow. I could be wrong. There are a lot of bad roles in this for actors who would go on to become notable. Like, like Joseph LL Gordon cool Levitt has done so much better. <laughs> jo- oh, we'll get to LL Cool J. Joseph Gordon Levitt has a brief role in this where he plays a really ridiculous character. Michelle Williams has a really bad role in this. this- well, there are no good roles in the Halloween movie unless you're Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just still like some people who would go on to be, you know, Oscar nominees, right. you know? Right. LL Cool J, though, is the most bizarrely superfluous character maybe in the whole franchise. He plays a security guard at this private school, and there's sort of a running thread about how he wants to write uh, erotica, and so he's on the phone talking to his bae about, like, he'll (laughs) he'll be reading her his latest erotica. Nothing ever comes of this. It's just supposed to be funny i guess i would i'm okay with that though because compared to the alternative which is having characters who are boring as hell and yeah. exist only to get stabbed like if you're gonna insert some dead body people but he doesn't get me- killed he survives doesn't he? oh he he almost gets killed he does survive i think but by the skin of his teeth i mean he has virtually no significance to the plot I mean, I'm of a mind of, like, everything you see on the scene, or in the film, should have some kind of, like, character, like, nuance to it. So I have no problem with LL Cool J just talking, like, talking to his girlfriend late at night about writing porn while Michael Myers is out slashing students. Like, that that character is still going to be there in some sense, because he's, like, literally the gatekeeper, and he, like, is pivotal in a few scenes of characters being able to get in or out of the school. Right, and he's um, also the... the they might as well have a personality, right? He's also the sole security force on the premises so yeah. you know when he gets shot or whatever happens to him you're like uh oh now there's no one to save these kids from the butcher man but well, he's really and- not convincing of a security guard either no. Well, well, because he's, he's yeah. not focused on his job, right? He's focused on this other thing. So why not make the other thing like he's at least focused on writing about titties? Exactly. So like that's why you know like they there it has to be made sense that he's so lax with the students like getting in or out of school whenever they feel like it or staying in for the night. So I don't know. This movie is boring for a long time. Like nothing happens for thirty forty five minutes, something mm, like that. I wouldn't call it boring. I know what you're saying. And then the last 15 minutes are just a fucking banger. Right. They are. It kind of follows the premise of, follows the beats of all these other Halloween movies where it's like super slow, super slow. We know Michael Myers is going to start killing people, so can we get to it already? And then, yeah, you get to the point where Michael's chasing people and it gets exciting, very exciting. By chasing people, do you mean walking slowly? Walking slowly, popping up, you know. It's he's walking almost as slow as the movie was going. Yeah, it's really chasing. Chasing implies like some sort of like like force or speed. I think they would all say they were being chased. Michelle Williams banging on the door and stuff. She was she was being stalked. I think she was yeah. Stalk stalk is good. Like I think she's overreacting. She doesn't need to bang that hard. This is the introduction (laughs) of uh, 
uh, Michael Myers doing the sick one arm pull down. <laughs> yes. yes, I love it. All of a sudden, Michael Myers starts doing chin ups, and his new entrance is to like entangle himself in pipes on the ceiling, and then sort of like slowly lower himself it's down. A by signature one arm. move, and I love it. It looks sick. I remember watching that on the commercials in 1998 when I was a little small child, and I was like, "Oh, look at that! That's so cool." <laughs> Michael Myers exercise plan. One arm pull down and uh, and that the sit up without moving your arms or, or, or legs. that I would kill to do. Yeah, there are a few weird kills. There are a few weird kills that seem to be set up or foreshadowed towards the end of this movie mm-hmm. that then don't pan out at all. The most obvious example for me is how characters sort of fishing around in a garbage disposal for I forget what has fallen down the garbage disposal. Oh, yeah, corkscrew or something. As yeah, corkscrew. As Michael is approaching him from behind, and you're like, oh, what's going to happen with this? Like they set this up. I know to show something interesting happening with this interior of a garbage disposal. No, no. You just see him fish the corkscrew out, and then Michael stabs him with the corkscrew. I That's think. Right herring yeah there were a few of those in this movie i remember yeah. that one in particular both of us brad and i saw this together we we're kind of like baffled like what a missed opportunity i saw it with you as well oh you did watch this one. <laughs> See, i can't even fucking remember there's so many of these yeah. that by far was the biggest letdown of this entire movie for me like they set up this garbage yeah. disposal and they did not do anything with it at yeah. least they could have put some like ketchup packets in there and acted <laughs> sure. like it was gore because the gore in these movies is not good at all <laughs> for the most part no yeah well um the movie to see is wish upon if you're interested in garbage disposals <laughs> Okay, duly noted. I'll go ahead and cue that. Cue it. But you, but I, I was disagreeing with your one point that it's kind of boring because it, while it is slow, it does kind of give us some character shit to munch on with, yeah. with Laurie and dealing with the post-traumatic stress. Yeah, um, and I find it refreshing. I enjoyed spending time finally again with Jamie Lee Curtis, who is an amazing actress. A lot better in 1998 than in 1978 i i think i've long thought she's a great actress unfortunately she hasn't really been in that many great movies uh but when she's given a chance to shine she's fucking fantastic i thought she was great in h20 um, <laughs> I, I agree except i would call h20 okay uh, <laughs> and, and i was really excited to see her return to this role uh for, for the new halloween for halloween 2018 or, or is it is it 2018 2018 I'm not sure uh, <laughs> how to pronounce it. <laughs> um, because she is very talented. She's been given a, a short shrift in her career. Maybe by choice. Maybe she chooses not to act that much because she's got all that sweet Halloween money coming in through the royalties. Well, let's talk about the most exciting thing about Halloween H20, uh, which is the ending. Jamie Lee has a big showdown with fucking Michael. And this is what I've been waiting for, for the whole fucking movie. This is what I mean when I talk about the movie being boring, is I'm waiting for that mo- that moment where Jamie Lee finally grabs a fucking fire axe and says, I'm going after Michael. And she goes into the in the grounds of the private school, sends everybody else out, closes the gate, and it's like, it's just me and Michael. That's what I've been waiting for. Right. You know? So she goes after him. They face off. Michael is captured. He's put in the back of a fucking police van. And then Jamie Lee steals a gun, hijacks the police van at gunpoint and drives Michael off into the wilderness ends up some other shit happens Michael gets crushed between a car and a tree you mean, uh, I think. Michael and I'm holding up air quotes oh we'll get to that <laughs> don't don't remind me just let me enjoy this let me it's enjoy, a great climax let me enjoy reliving this at least before it gets ruined for me all over again I mean I was but, disappointed that the van didn't explode like an H- <laughs> true. in Halloween too true 
But Michael is pinned between this van and a tree, and he sort of reaches out to Lori, like, you know, there's a question about maybe it's a human moment. Maybe they're actually going to connect, you know, maybe Lori is going to show some vulnerability. But no, she reaches out to him for a minute, and she pulls her hand back. She takes the fucking fire axe, and she just decapitates the motherfucker with a single stroke. You see Michael's head lying on the fucking ground. You see Lori just kind of, like, stand there like, yeah, I fucking did it. End of movie. Like, yeah. best ending, credits. best scene, cathartic, uh, best moment in the entire franchise. Fucking loved it. Because that's what I've been waiting for. That's what we've been waiting for, is a conclusive end to Michael with no fucking bullshit about how he might come back. Lori getting her fucking revenge. Great moment. It's the only worthy sequel to the original, because all I yeah. care about is this this woman who at the time of the first movie is obviously a girl has this thing happen to her that she has no control over it doesn't make any sense it haunts her for entire life and all she wants she's struggling through life like wondering if she's going to have that confrontation and be able to finally overcome her fear and her anger and she gets it Mm -hmm. cut to credits and kind of just becoming no longer being a victim yeah Mm -hmm. she takes control of her narrative and it's it's beautiful it's also really fun it's shocking Mm -hmm. it has so much energy that one scene has more energy than the five movies leading up to it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think we should view it cute or screw it now so we can very quickly uh discuss how that scene was ruined by the next film yeah i'll say view it for h2o that's not to say that it doesn't have problems that's not to say that it doesn't suffer from some of the same ills as the other halloween movies but it's it's a solid entry that's much better made and much smarter made and much more exciting than almost anything that came before it patrick view it i give a strong view it to h20 uh it's my favorite film in the franchise halloween itself may be a better film i guess overall but h20 holds up and is more entertaining to me it's a better movie i guess so halloween's oh, the better film. oh <laughs> yeah brad i'll say cue it okay um and what was the title of this movie again h20 <laughs> <laughs> i'll be the hot one take. that has something different to say uh, the hot take only if you have a drink in it and you should you watch this movie i mean i don't think i would enjoy it if i wasn't a little bit tipsy but it was actually really enjoyable towards the end of the movie once it picked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Steven, cue it. I say have uh, two drinks in you for H twenty. <laughs> I think it's a fun it's a fun time, but I do feel like like it is for it's very dated. We haven't talked about how yeah. fucking nineteen ninety eight this movie is. Yeah. It feels like uh, a remake of Scream. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. That's you know. yeah, that's an interesting point. I could definitely see that vibe in it. Yeah, it's fun, but like you really have to forgive a lot of shortcomings here. It's very nineties. I mean, Christ, Josh Hartnett is in it, possibly his first role. That tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. But it's cool to see Laurie and, back and taking control of her narrative, no longer just being the victim. And Christ, that final scene is is fantastic. Which leads us to and, Halloween yeah. Resurrection. <laughs> is that how you'd pronounce it, Chris? No, you know no. What? This no, is it's the last R- time. R-E-surrection. No, this is, this is the last time I'm going to try to be accurate about something on this show. I'm just getting kicked over my H2O. <laughs> <laughs> H2O. But yeah, we move on to Halloween Resurrection, which wastes no time in shitting on everything that was good about the last So movie. hard. Just like explosive diarrhea. So what happened is Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> said she would return to the franchise on one condition, and that was if they killed off Michael Myers and put a cap on on her story. Unfortunately, as I've said, Mustafa (laughs) Akkad said, you're not killing Michael Myers on my watch. So they cooked up a conspiracy while they were shooting H2O. This is so fucked up. Yeah, where 
in in the canon, Michael Myers, after he was knocked out, woke up, swapped clothes with a paramedic, and then the so the, the Lori actually killed an innocent man who was dressed like Michael Myers and unable to speak because he had a crushed throat. Uh, and we should mention, I want to throw in one other little fact about this, that that scene was filmed the day after H20's principal photography ended. Like, they were already shooting the scene that undid this whole, like, banger of an ending Whoa. right so after Jamie Lee they Curtis did Curtis is, like, flying back home. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really fucked up. It is really fucked up. And I want to know how Jamie Lee Curtis got involved in this movie. Like Resurrection? Yeah. It had yeah. to be contractual. Like, that's the only thing. Like, she must have signed on for two movies, and then she negotiated it down to being like, all right, just fucking kill my character off so I can be done with this, and do it quickly. Do it in the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's complete trash. She's in the hospital. Michael shows up. There's a little bit of a showdown again. You think she's going to kick his ass a little bit, but no, he gets to jump on her and she falls to her death. It just felt like such an unnecessary fuck you to the Laurie Strode character, especially after what happened to her in the last movie. Like, why? Because we don't see Jamie Lee Curtis in the movie again after this. Like, why go to such lengths to basically just fuck her and her character over? And even why pay to have her in the movie in the first place to have this shitty prologue to a completely different concept that ensues from there. I haven't seen a movie dispense the previous installment in such a hasty fashion since The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just malpractice. Yeah. And, and you know what? <laughs> what made it even worse for me is produced by Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yeah. We had that same so, revelation while watching Yeah, it. like, I feel like they need to put little stars next to movies on, the on, on like, PlayStation Store, wherever you rent your digital movies, that say, "Watch out! This was produced by Weinstein. This movie's going to be terrible to women. <laughs> this is this is going to his legal defense if you rent this movie." We get into the. There are some dumb fucking concepts in this franchise, but this is the stupidest fucking one of all. Will anybody explain? The fucking well, basic idea behind this piece of shit, because I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, it's like it. a live webcam haunted house thing in, like, the Myers house, right? And yeah, yeah. They, they want to... That's it. There's an the un- rest of it is just, like, pure bullshit. It's just this ostensibly hip attempt to appeal to, like, the millennial, like, the Y2K... I mean, not the millennial, well... Well, it's the reality whatever. TV The craze. new millennium generation, yeah. The franchise really has kind of undercut itself every step of the way, and this is one of the best examples of it. You have Halloween... Great hit, doesn't need a sequel. You make a shitty sequel, so then what do you do? You go back to the original concept, which is the anthology film, and that fails, and then you bring Michael Myers back, but without Laurie Strode, and from then on... (laughs) From then on and on and on, and then you have H20, which finally, like, hits... Like, the franchise hits its mark, we're back, and then they try a new formula for no particular reason. Well, yeah, because there was no way to reasonably pick up from where H20 left off because Michael Myers' head was laying in a fucking ditch, you know? <laughs> it didn't have to be that way. There could they have just been another Michael Myers that would have been fine. Be like, oh, we got him, but you know he has a brother. A copycat. A copycat killer. That'd be great. Sure. That'd be some scream shit. But... Well, I mean, Michael Myers never dies, so they just sewed his head back on and he continued on walking on and killing people. But, okay, we stick with this continuity. EMT guy, his head gets chopped off. Lori's in the mental asylum. Then we have a great movie where she has to, like, she thought she was over the trauma. 
Now she's in an even worse place and has to like prove her own sanity and still manage to kill Michael Myers. There's a whole movie in that. Oh, instead, they great. get rid of her in five minutes. That'd be great. Sure. That would have been fantastic. Instead, we have five or six fucking teeny boppers wandering around the house wearing fucking webcams. It's shot even more like God, a music video was... than six, too. I mean, yeah. Like no redeeming qualities to this movie. This might be the worst of the franchise. Oh, no, that's right. We're about to talk about the fucking Rob Zombie movies. This Never is mind. the worst of the franchise for me. And really, I don't even know what else there is to say about it it's, it's i've got nothing screw it yeah it's it's bad screw it it's, screw it's it. not even i i've seen that some people kind of approach it as like a cult classic sort of thing they think it's you know so bad it's good i don't i disagree i'll this say screw it the, the my least favorite thing about this was hey it's 2002 we have all this technology let's show it off and oh, that's what yeah. i was thinking the entire time i was like okay we get it it's time of reality TV. I mean, Palm I, pilots. I would argue you could oh even God, make Michael yeah. Myers work in a, like a reality show kind of plot line, but not like this. Right. It's It was just like instantly dated. Like the next, the year after this movie, it already looked like shit. By the time it, came, by the time it was released in theaters, it was dated. Yeah. The only part of this movie I liked was when Freddy dressed as Michael Myers encounters the real Michael Myers and just tells him to fuck off and Michael Myers just like walks away with his tail between his legs which is another example of Michael Myers doesn't hurt you as long as you're not afraid of him yeah. you just have to yell at him he's just like a dog you just well, have no, to be like he's, no he's the nope. man. like he he can only hurt you if you believe in him if it's they, Michael Myers, just hit him with the baseball bat and be like, I'm not scared of you, and walk away. He yeah. won't chase back at He gets karate to death in this one, and, <laughs> and that's Halloween Resurrection. Oh, Fuck God. it, damn it, screw it. Yeah. We all screwed it. And that's it. That's the end of that continuity. We move on to the Rob Zombie auteur vision right. reboot. 2007? We right? call him Mr. Zombie because <laughs> the New York Times in its review refers to him as Mr. Zombie, and I find that really hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, we already disagree on this, so you guys can, can open the debate. What do you want to talk about? I thought these movies were good. Wow. Good. Yes. I would say they're not good. They <laughs> <laughs> they go on and they give so much backstory to every single detail that we did not need. I feel it drags on for the first half hour. Oh, the yeah, first no, exactly. hour. No, it's the first hour. It's the first half of this movie, which we should set up for the listeners. The first half of Rob Zombie's Halloween focuses on it's like pink floyd's the wall it, it focuses on child michael myers and everything that went wrong in his life to bring him to this moment where he goes around with a mask and kills people on halloween why he likes masks how everything. he killed his whole family basically it spends an hour doing what john carpenter got done in i love that that you said why he likes masks because that's so true there's so much of the first half of this movie devoted to like his obsession with masks and what it means psychologically yeah. and his whole collection of masks in his cell. Yeah. And going on to the mask, I think arguably this is the worst mask that you could possibly have for Michael Myers. All the other original franchise was pretty great. I mean, compared to these where it has holes in the mask, where it can be honestly ripped off. It's fine. It's like they're going for gritty. Halloween 4 just was terrible. I mean, there's been worse masks. I agree it wasn't great, but serviceable and it fit the aesthetic of what rob zombie's trying to mr zombie's trying to do (laughs) everything's grimy everything's trashy every house is apparently made of wood pallets it's but here's what i like it's like john waters halloween at times like it reminded me of like desperate living or something it's just like the most disgusting or like a harmony kareem movie like 
it just this movie just looks and feels so gross gross no yeah. all right i'm gonna so here's what i liked and you can tell me how wrong i am but i'm right it's h20 <laughs> h20 so look halloween i don't think is a movie that necessarily should be remade at all because i mean just at, for the mere fact that it's limited in concept and, and was good for its time as we've discussed and doesn't necessarily translate well to today if you have to remake halloween i really appreciate what mr zombie tried to do <laughs> he saw the problems with the franchise which is that michael myers is just a guy with a knife and he built a backstory where now when Michael Myers is killing people, for me at least, I was like seeing it from a different perspective. You can do things where, you know, there's a people appealing to Michael's humanity on a couple occasions and you don't know if he's going to kill somebody or if he's going to revert to the kid that we got to know in the first half of the movie. Also, for me, this brought the horror back into it because the violence in both these Rob Zombie movies is extreme extreme violence extremely extreme horror doesn't need to be violent or gory though no but it made me not want to see michael myers kill these people and they they looked like actual crime scenes and actual stabbings and i was like okay like it's not a joke anymore it's not like michael myers impaling somebody on a fence for the 20th time with no consequence the violence is horrific and michael is horrific because of it and it made michael scary for me for maybe the first time in the franchise well i'm kind of with you there but sorry i know patrick well here's here's my point counterpoint to that and you know we uh we had a big discussion on last episode chris about whether you were a psychopath or not and i think your explanation is proving that you're not a psychopath like you're you're right these killings were genuinely disturbing but i don't think they're supposed to be disturbing they're supposed to be entertaining this whole movie is set up to make you empathize with and to make you relate to michael myers more than any other character Lori, when she shows up is basically an afterthought this is made for people for whom michael myers is the most interesting and the most relatable part of the franchise this is made for people who are like oh yeah i I really want to know more about michael myers you know this is for people who want to identify with michael myers and want to enjoy the kills you know it's 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 not I don't think it's made to be perceived in the way that you are perceiving it, which is a more humane way than I think Mr. Zombie intended. Well, I, I th- knew we were going to talk about this, so I found an interview with Mr. Zombie. And uh, <laughs> on the question of the violence and, and the do- amount of violence in these Halloween movies, this is what he said, and you can decide what you want to take away from it. Rob Zombie says, I like when violence seems real, and I like when it seems ugly. I like when the act doesn't seem fun. I was never a fan of 80s slasher movies. I think they are cartoony and silly. I was more into the violence in movies like Taxi Driver, The Wild Bunch, and Bonnie and Clyde. The violence in those films makes a statement in some way. It's saying something, and it's either brutal or depressing, or it's real, but it's never fun. Hmm. That might be... That's actually really uh, relieving to hear from, from Monsieur Zombie, but I I think it still comes across as a movie that is supposed to be fun for a certain kind of person. And whether or not that's a statement he's making as a director that, oh, there's a segment of the population that's fucked up because they enjoy violence in movies. I mean, I don't I don't really even care about that argument. It's a movie that's it's gross to look at. It doesn't really make me think on a meta level about slasher movies and their value or lack thereof. No. It's just purely unpleasant through and through. Mm-hmm. And and has the unfortunate side effect of being beloved by totally deranged people who don't really think too much right. about the media they consume. I remember close friends of mine around the time this movie came out, who I no longer have any contact with, uh, like worshipped this movie and House of a Thousand Corpses simply because they were fucked up. 
that gave them a thrill. I don't know to what degree you can hold the movie responsible for how it plays to an audience which is predisposed to being crazy in the first place. I thought it was well-made, intelligently made, and corrected a lot of things that had been bugging me about the franchise. And I was I was with this movie pretty much through the whole thing. And I didn't know it, when it started off, I didn't think that was going to be the case when it's showing, you know, Michael's home situation and the absolute, you know, depravity of his dad. I was like, I don't think I like this movie, but it won me over, and I'm, I liked it. And speaking of his dad, like, his dad made objectifying comments about his stepdaughter. Is it his stepdaughter? Like, yeah. She's got a good ass on her or right. something like that. Even Michael's mom is like a stripper in this movie. Right. So it kind of does that because John Carpenter famously said that he did not intend to put any sexual themes or anything into Halloween, even though Halloween kind of started the whole have sex and you die trope in slasher movies. And this movie deliberately connects that where it shows you that Michael has had a complicated relationship with sex from a young age. His dad's homophobic. And yeah. at one point you're like, wait, is this kid like, is his sexuality even like solidified at this point? No, He's there's like, kids hey, bullying him at school. Yeah. Um, his like mom's a stripper. Stuff. The kids bully him about that. The kids also accuse him of being gay. His dad is, is saying horrible things about his stepsister. His stepsister's leaving him, you know, not going trick or treating with him so he, she can have sex. And it makes sense, throwback to Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2, why he would kill Pamela Sue having sex in those tubs. <laughs> oh, she's hot. Let me just boil her to death. Finally getting around to Pamela Shoot. <laughs> but it's all, you know, it's like the Patton Oswalt thing about Darth Vader. Like, who cares? No, I totally you understand. You like Angelina Jolie? Here's John Voight's shriveled nutsack, you know? <laughs> I understand. I understand the argument that we, Michael Myers, we don't need to know who he is. But I'm saying after watching seven or eight movies where Michael Myers gives me nothing to sink my teeth into, I liked having this take on it. I'm also, excellent casting for, oh, for Lewis. Oh, yeah. This is Rob Malcolm Zombies. McDowell. I mean, this is like... This is the role he was born to play. I mean, obviously, he's known for a clockwork he's a great orange Loomis. and and if and then like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Brad Dourif, Margot Kidder, yeah, she shows up in Halloween too. But yeah, oh, D our, Wallace, D mm-hmm. Wallace, our friend from uh, Don't Kill It. Linda was the cop in Don't Kill It. Linda, Linda's the one who has sex with the ghost guy and then gets killed by Michael. Oh, who was wow. she in Don't Kill It? She was the main character, the cop, Evil Lynn. If that was her name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, you can tell. And, you know, so there's all these nods to kind of horror, at least in the casting. Oh, I mean, Rob Zombie, if nothing else, seems like a cool fucking dude. Oh, like, yeah. He's a he's a historian of horror film. I mean, he's more so than seeing, other people we could mention. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing like a uh, like a Cribs episode with with Rob Zombie. And it was actually really fucking cool because he had a million VHS tapes and like a replica of the creature from the Black Lagoon and if he doesn't fully understand how to make a horror movie, it's probably just through lack of practice or discipline. He's seen everything and understands everything for the right reasons. This is the first Rob Zombie movie I've seen. Oh, really? And I, I want to see more. I just want to share briefly before we rate this movie a little anecdote. Stephen and I actually met Tyler Maine. Oh, oh yeah. True, yeah. Who, who plays Michael in adult Michael in this movie at a horror convention one time. And we were, like, standing out on the patio with him having a beer. And he also played Sabretooth in the X-Men movies. And so, at some point, I'm like, oh, so, so, uh, I was being such an idiot fanboy. I was like, so, what was what was cooler? What was your favorite role, Sabretooth in X-Men or Michael Myers in Halloween? He was like, well, uh, 
probably Halloween because I got to, you know, pick up naked chicks and carry them around, you know. I feel like that pretty much sums up the mentality so behind this movie, yeah. to be honest. Uh, well, agree or disagree. I say view it for Rob Zombie's Halloween. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. It's one of, like, all respect to the first Halloween, and this one's right up there for me with Halloween and H2O. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Screw it. It's big screw it for me. Hated it. Brad. I would say cue it. Um, I mean, it's slow at points, but it has really good parts to it. Steven. I'll give it a cue it. It honestly reminded me a lot. Uh, it didn't have the sense of humor of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, but I do feel like it did, like it had to be an influence on this movie as far as sort of like like recontextualizing the mythology of the original Halloween. Like I, I kind of saw what he was going for and and I wanted to like it and it was interesting enough that I don't really think I got bored while watching it. I don't think it's a, a success, but if you're going to remake a movie like Halloween, I think there are worse ways to go about it. The, the worst worth part of this seeing movie, just to see how it was done. The, the worst part of this movie for me is is that the second half becomes a beat for beat remake of the first Halloween, and it feels very rote and kind of yeah. uninspired. Although they do take some cool twists with it in the end, I did like how they they kind of took the movie to where the original ends, and then there was a twist, and it kept going for another twenty minutes. Ugh, the ending was dumb. All right. Well, we're in the home stretch now, boys. We're on to Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Which actually sort of attempts to restage the hospital shit from the original Halloween 2. Right. And waste the whole fucking half hour on that, which just turns out to be a fucking dream. Yeah, and usually dream sequences bother the shit out of me, but this one, I thought the sequence itself was fun enough that I didn't feel robbed. Uh, but it's literally like 20 minutes. It's so long. Yeah. I'd rather have 20 minutes of that than 20 minutes of like the fucking white horse symbology and stuff Ugh. they're doing, which is, you know. God. But you could probably cut it out and it not matter at all the hospital scene yeah oh yeah, well, yeah because it's a dream it's a dream but it, it was nothing fun. yeah no it was fun halloween 2 was not as good of a movie as the first halloween one it was kind of biting off a little bit more than it could chew i think it the one thing that really impressed me with the first uh, uh mr zombie's first halloween movie was just like the level of like formal control like it seemed like as a director every shot was like meticulously crafted yeah it's got kind of a brisk music video-esque editing pace to it but it felt very intentional this movie was all over the map it it just looked and felt unfinished to me like he had too many ideas that he wanted to throw out there and and just really i don't know it felt unfocused well there are two very different cuts of this movie like just from a narrative perspective the endings of the theatrical and the i think it's called the director's cut art insanely oh, different the endings might be but i mean on a scene by scene basis it really it's constantly jumping between tones we've got kind of a like a light comic tone with sam loomis like on his book tour. so weird yeah and we should mention this movie sort of jumps back and forth between loomis laurie and michael as all very distinct characters on sort of separate journeys that then intersect at the end and yeah, the Loomis stuff is really weird. Loomis turns into a huge dick in this movie. Like at one point he says to us, his assistant, if I wanted your opinion, I'd beat it out of you. And I'm like, wait, what? Where did this come from? It kind of feels, he reminded me a lot of um, like Richard E. Grant in The Player, where he's like this mm. like pompous writer that like we're supposed to be half charmed by and, and the other half of us is supposed to be laughing at him. Like I didn't know how to feel about the guy in this movie. And at one oh. point during the book tour, uh, didn't somebody come up to him and threaten to murder him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so, I viewed that as Loomis is supposed to be a character that we're supposed to hate because he is 
encouraging the murders. Or maybe they were trying to go for a commentary on uh, maybe he's kind of a stand-in for Rob Zombie and he's <laughs> having people like Patrick say you're you're a psychopath and um, for making the first Halloween right. remake. Yeah, I don't know. But it's an interesting movie. I don't want to do the listeners a disservice, but I can't really explain what it's about. There's just, like Patrick said, you put it very well, three tracks with Lori, who's like going PTSD. to anti-birth levels of like depravity herself because she's got she's fucked up mentally from her experience. Who wouldn't be? Loomis doing the book tour, which is neither here nor there. And then Michael Myers literally roaming the countryside. <laughs> in like a Frankenstein's big monster. Like Frankenstein's monster. That's yeah. actually, that must be what they were going for. It had to be. Yeah. He's just shambling through the fields, seeing visions of his dead mom and a white horse. And it's an auteur vision. Good for, good for Mr. Zombie. I didn't connect with me, but you know. It was more interesting than Halloween fucking four. The violence. Absolutely. <laughs> the violence really goes to the next level in this one, too. This, oh, yeah. One, the bit that really stunned me and disturbed me was this scene where Michael kills a stripper who's completely naked and he just bashes her head into a mirror repeatedly. And that was one of those moments that just felt like really just fucking prurient and just coming from the wrong place on Mr. Zombie's behalf. I'm surprised Michael Myers didn't rape somebody in this movie, to be honest. It really <laughs> felt like it was going to go there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just felt so, uh, so like seedy and, and yeah. gross. And again, like, if, if the first movie pushed the envelope, this is just going that much further, unnecessarily into darker terrain. Yeah, I mean, if Mr. Zombie's talking about how violence makes a point or whatever, how he's going for the taxi driver thing, like, you know, take that stripper scene or any of the other kills, and what point is he really making with any of these kills? Like, there's no... It doesn't no, mean I don't think anything. it was good for a point, but I don't think... For me, it had the effect of me actually being afraid of Michael Myers and understanding the level of violence that he inflicts on people as opposed to just the other kills which are have been historically cheesy and non-visceral amen i found this michael myers more so in the first film than the the second one to actually be frightening and and partially because i felt like i sort of understood what was going on in his head right and was like disappointed that he was making the choices he was making. Like right. I, I was like, I didn't want to see him kill. I felt like he was capable of more than that. Right, he just been raised differently. It's it's weird because I was more afraid of this Michael Myers too. But also, this is the Michael Myers where there's a chance he might show you mercy. Yeah, you know, even though they kind of it goes back to the Frankenstein thing where it's like, yeah, yeah. he's been conditioned to behave a certain way. He doesn't know the limits of his strength, or maybe he does. Who knows. It felt like, yeah, there you could get that scene where, uh, you know, with the the girl by the <laughs> by the pond or something, right? Um, and while we're talking about all the casting in these movies, Danielle Harris is that her name? Who played little Jamie now plays Annie. What? Oh, really? Yeah the the girl that Laurie's living with in Halloween two, the girl who was brutally stabbed but survived in Halloween one, wow. is little Jamie. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. There's no way. Fact check it. I feel like little yeah. Jamie should be older. No, yeah. that's her. 100%. So that was pretty cool. Rob Zombie's History of Horror. All right. Uh, Chris, you have a cooter script. Uh, this one gets a cue it, I guess. Uh, let me down from the first one. I am astonished at the leniency everyone is giving these, giving these movies. I thought they were pieces of shit and some of the more reprehensible entrances. Entrances? Entries. Entries, thank you, in the in the franchise. Well, you know, I was thinking about, like, 13 cameras, which appalled me because I thought it was made by a psychopath. 
to bring it back to our Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. The difference is this movie is made intelligently and I think it's aspiring to be something else and it it characterizes everyone pretty well and humanizes everyone pretty well. And I didn't get the sense that I was supposed to be titillated by the violence. You got a different impression. That's fine. Uh, Yeah, I definitely got that impression. Screw this movie, Brad. Screw it. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> that's it. it. Screw it. I mean, it, it drug it on and on, and there were scenes it's that true. didn't make any sense. The only thing I did like about the Rob, more more about the Rob Zombie movies is how Michael Myers was towering over everyone. He was actually more scary. Yeah. Yeah. Physically. Physically, he was more scary. He would tower over anyone just because he was this huge person. And right. in the other movies, he was shorter and around the same height as everybody else. Steven, what's your rating? Uh, if I gave uh, the the previous film a cue it i'll give this a screw it i mean this was an it was an utter mess i mean like on paper i like the idea that it's sort of like going even deeper into the second it's almost like a hodorowski film at times with like how fucking psychedelic it gets with the the white horse slash unicorn and sherry moon zombie as like a galadriel type figure oh yeah like but i it's it doesn't work (laughs) it's it's a slog points for effort yeah 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 exactly points for effort so screw it (laughs) oh and one final note the scene where annie dies brad duriff's reaction is so hilariously over the top when he like finds his dead daughter i thought that was appropriate i thought that was was so over the top it was hilarious be over the top when you when you're brad duriff daughters (laughs) you start at 11 (laughs) nice to see brad duriff in a heroic role i love brad duriff i mean i love him too but well, guys, it's the moment. He, he's he's better than, than this franchise deserves. I think that was what was so funny to me about that kill was he was just giving the moment like so much. And they put all of it into the movie. It drags on forever. So that's the Halloween franchise as it stands or as it stood uh, until until this month. And I don't know. Are you are you happy that we watched all these movies? No, <laughs> not at all. Not. I'm I'm glad I went through this experience. I think I hated most of them. I th- I think I probably gave out more screw-its than any rating, but I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was it was I mean it's kind of a microcosm of the whole every horror movie on Netflix experience. I mean it's a thing I would have done on my own. I mean I'm watching all the Friday the 13th movies right now for some fucking reason and those are probably worse than these. Yeah. It definitely gave me something to do in my off hours. <laughs> That's that's a very optimistic way of looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad we did it. I think I I'm familiar with the franchise in a way I never was before, and it's been it's been fun. I mean, it's fascinating just to see how it's grown over the years, over the decades, how it's changed, and how it's been interpreted in different time periods. Even if most of those interpretations are not <laughs> that great, or they're just iterations on what's been done. Yeah. Um, but that's it. All right. So now we're going to get into some discussion of. Halloween 2018, the brand new movie in the theaters now. Uh, We're going to give you a little bit of a break. We're going to go down to the spoiler room to talk about that. So if you want to make up your own mind on that movie, get out now. Otherwise, we'll see you in a few seconds, and we're going to spoil everything. so we're back halloween 2018 it's here the most anticipated horror event of the decade <laughs> decade <laughs> i number two that. after the return of fangoria <laughs> <laughs> i would say uh the second biggest horror event of the decade after 
It after the It remake. Oh. And then here we are with a David Gordon Green Halloween movie. I gotta say it uh it, it works, I think for the most part. He he does kinda he does kind of blend into the, the genre pretty well, I think. It's a it's seamless. It's a seamless entry in the franchise. You can tell you're watching a Halloween movie. And it, it again, it follows the same tropes. It follows the beats. I'm like, okay, here's the part where Michael's going to stalk everybody. Oh, here's the part where they're going to get pissed off at him and beat his ass. I thought it was a huge snoozer. There's, you know, it goes through the motions of, you know, some obligatory kills along the way before Michael finally catches up with Lori. Jamie Lee Curtis is back. Obviously, she turns out to be a prepper. Uh, <laughs> H20 has been erased in this continuity. But this movie H20 did it better. I get I got more catharsis, I got more conclusion to Lori's journey out of H20 than I got out of this. And in the end, it's just another fucking sequel setup. Michael mm-hmm. is very unconvincing un- unconvincingly quote unquote killed at the end of this movie. We hear him breathing at the end of the credits. It's just another fucking sequel setup. I agree. Sort of. H2O did the Lori versus Michael thing much better. And we have the mostly incidental characters of Lori's daughter and granddaughter granddaughter in this movie who kind of form up as a trio at the end of this movie, which was sort of cool, but neither of the, neither the daughter or the granddaughter characters well-developed enough from to make me care. And I only wish that I had gotten more of, Lori actually doing her Lori thing and getting her character development. I will say about that trio though, I think it really keys into 2018 and how it 2018, 2017, how it shows that women power can get through things. Mm -hmm. I really think that it was showing like us as women can get things done. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I did not like about this movie at all is I think it was the second or third time that they use this old lady making a fucking sandwich in the kitchen <laughs> and taking the knife yeah. off the cutting oh, well, board and going to use that as his murder weapon. That's deliberate. There are some loving callbacks to the now out of continuity movies. But I think it was cheap. They could have done a different a different method. I agree. I'm like what like if you're gonna if you're gonna complete almost completely disregard those movies, why pay homage to them? Why not come up with something new and original instead of... I mean, there are quite a few beats in this movie that are recycled from movies that they have disowned with this new iteration. Mm-hmm. I still... I mean... I, I haven't seen such gratuitous fan service since The Force Awakens. Oh, my God. Oh God. <laughs> Jesus. Um, the, the callback that I did really love was when Michael throws Lori off the balcony of the house and then turns away and looks back and she's gone just as Michael is thrown off a balcony and disappears yeah. while someone's back is turned in the original Halloween. That was nice. That was, and Lori was also thrown off a balcony in uh, resurrection to her death. Oh, oh yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I felt it was more of a callback to that. Oh. Like, Oh, she made the fall and then she survived. No, oh, actually. I like I mean, that. I don't know. It works I mean, I think ways. it was, yeah, it was probably, it seems more a callback to the original. Definitely a high but. point in the movie. And you know, if they, had, if they had <clears throat> killed Michael, I would have liked this movie a lot, but I like this movie a lot, but it, it just pissed me off. Cause at the end I was like, I wanted a definitive, like let's, let's, I just watched 11 fucking Halloween movies. Enough is enough. Give me something that ties this up in a manner that I can get on with my life. Mm -hmm. And this movie seems to only exist to like set up more sequels with the granddaughters and shit because the, the final confrontation finally happens. And Michael is so 
obviously not killed. Like he's put in a what I would call a mildly perilous situation <laughs> for a normal person by his standards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by Michael's standards, it's just so a walk like, in the park, well, basement full of fire, big deal. He's been shot like nine thousand fucking times. He's been burned alive before. We do yeah. all this for what? There's like some token uh, character arcs with the daughter and the mother and their relationship. But I'm like, well, for what? Why does this movie exist other than to be a nostalgia throwback and to make us uh, see the next one? And in this movie, you see Michael Myers' face. Like, you see his eyes, a you lot, see his beard. Yeah. yeah, you see it a lot. It's a little odd that the first time that we do kind of see him out in sunlight from behind for quite a while in that, that opening scene. Uh, <laughs> we're just doing a podcast here. That line made me laugh out loud, <laughs> knowing that later we'd be talking about this on a yeah. podcast, but we have this British... Uh, podcast documentary crew a la Serial trying to interview Michael and his new caretaker his Loomis replacement and then eventually they interview Laurie Strode I could have done without all the podcast stuff yeah that was completely superfluous but it was showing its time it was there for to get Michael his mask back yeah, I pulled a favor with the <laughs> New York Attorney General, or no, the I, not the New yeah, York the, Attorney, but but whatever the Attorney, Attorney General, General to get Michael's mask back. Okay, and they treat sure. it with such disregard. I mean, the mask is literally just sitting in a trunk, not in a bag or anything, <laughs> yeah. just kind of hanging out, decomposing even further. Yeah, that's probably why it looks so fucked up. It's just <laughs> been sitting in a trunk for like a week. I love that shot though. That was like a total like David Gordon Green shot though of like Michael Myers at the shitty fucking gas station in the middle of nowhere pulling the mask in slow motion out of the trunk of like a shitty ass rental car <laughs> i like i i that was just glorious and you know, it felt like uh halloween four when michael stops at the uh you know roadside gas station yeah and uh halloween whatever the fuck when she's in the bathroom <laughs> you know and he's in, coming into the bathroom stalls and stuff it was i mean i kind of like i almost laughed but i could tell that it was supposed to be kind of amusing i mean like it looked like if you're not familiar with this character like he could either change your oil right now or slice your head <laughs> off <laughs> i could do without for the whole thing is when they were in the courtyard and he pulls out the mask yeah and I, yeah. they were all doing like everybody like, was making these creepy <laughs> noises yeah. and i was just like, like what's 10 the whole, minutes i was like what's the Michael. whole point of this like that whole opening sequence struck me as so strange, especially because they're disavowing the entire continuity other than Halloween 1, but he holds up the mask from behind. Michael can't see it and says, Michael, can you feel it? You can feel it. As if there's some like spiritual significance to the mask or some supernatural significance. And it's like, wait, you're throwing out all the movies where we decided that Michael was some supernatural power, but it's, can you feel the mask and all these like loonies oh, but even in the, first the movie, prison Loomis, yard are all going nuts for this mask they've never seen before. In the first movie, Loomis waxes poetic about how he's pure evil. He's not just a serial killer. I mean, that's like, that's built into the franchise, even if you disregard the other movies. And they call I think back that's to that why, in this movie. I think that's why they ended up going the cult route at a certain point. Also, I it, that was such a weird sequence. He's just screaming, say something, Michael, and then it cuts the title sequence it felt yeah. very anticlimactic did love the glad to see moldy the pumpkin back pumpkin oh, like yeah that was great yeah in like i'm not describing this in a way that anyone can understand it if it was they, reversed footage of a pumpkin decomposing yes it showed the halloween franchise coming back yeah <laughs> oh coming back mind blown yeah it's, it's uh, probably what they were doing 
that's yeah, I thought it was a little cheesy. What they were doing. <laughs> it was a little cheesy, but uh, but I liked it because I missed I missed the pumpkin from the first two movies. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. those iconic opening credits. Is it just the first two? Yeah, this this movie feels like it takes place at Halloween. Yes, in a way that none of the other movies do really, even the ones that do take place at Halloween. There's a great set piece. It's like a whole suburban block that it doesn't feel like a set at all or it doesn't feel like it's like a film set i should say not like obviously it's not a soundstage but it does feel like halloween you can hear the kids everywhere even as you're going inside people's homes you can hear you know doorbells ringing kids you know bustling around outside while michael is like on his first sort of killing spree i thought mm-hmm. that was great it, there's like, it, there's nobody throwing leaves nobody throwing leaves. <laughs> i mean it's clearly you know this was shot somewhere in the south so it, it wasn't you know it's not going to look like Halloween, no matter what they, you know, what what time of season they wait for. But it, it felt like there was more care put into like shooting things at night and making sure there were enough fake leaves on the ground <laughs> to flesh out the scenery. The atmosphere in this movie, wall to wall, flawless. Something I can't say of other films in the franchise. No, I agree. Like, just like visually, it works. It looks great. The soundtrack is wonderful. Carpenter and his kids are back for a couple of songs. Uh, one a couple of, which, of songs is right. Yeah, three, exactly. And uh, and one of them, I think, is one of Carpenter's like strongest pieces of music in a while. I mean, it, it got me in the mood. It was fun to hear those little stings, too, when Michael pops up little... Yeah. Uh, just a, a, a 70s genre thing that I wondered how it would work in a modern film, and, and it worked. It gave me the chills, and it put a smile on my face. Yeah, I think the movie totally works as a spiritual successor to the first Halloween movie made in 2018, but that's not to say it's perfect. Like, the first Halloween's not perfect. No, I think, like, an interesting experiment would be to do a double feature of the original Halloween and this, and totally disregard everything else that comes in between, and I think this film would probably work a lot better if, if, if that's all you knew of the franchise. Well, I was just thinking about the ending, which I didn't like so much. You would, if you had not seen Halloween two through whatever, you'd probably be like, "Oh yeah, Michael's dead. Great yeah, ending." Totally. Because we don't see his ability to come back from being lit on fire unless you've seen it before. But unfortunately, we don't have that luxury. Though, unfortunately, like, though, right? The, the Halloween films have uh, permeated our culture so much that you know we know the killer doesn't die. It doesn't matter what franchise it is. Uh, but I think it's the ending is great for me, uh, just on a thematic level. Like I, I don't know, there's something really like really beautiful about that shot of like the three of them holding hands in the back of a truck. These the three generations of women who have all been have all dealt with this trauma of this very strange and singular night forty years ago. Yeah, Michael may not be dead, but they can all finally like get along for five seconds and hold yeah. each other. But none of them were developed enough for me to care, especially the Judy Greer character was very underdeveloped. What more did you want, though? I mean, we know that she grew up, she grew up in this, like, very, like, hellish, like, Dickensian childhood where she's being forced to make traps and shit for her mom and then is taken (laughs) away by Child Protective Services and is, you know... Is trying to stay away from her her kooky mom. Or I don't God. know. I don't know. Why I needed three generations. I just felt like it was there was at least one superfluous character there. Like at most, all I really care about is Lori and Lori getting her revenge and her catharsis. If you want to also in, introduce a new generation, which I guess the only logical reason I can think of to do that is to have somebody to top line a sequel. I think that their perspective is like not necessary, but I I found it welcome. I don't know. I enjoyed these characters. I didn't. Yeah, they weren't like terribly um, deeply developed. 
but I didn't mind spending time with them. I really liked the family dynamic, and I, I liked seeing two different perspectives on who Lori had become. For the most part, I was just like, give me Lori. Like, I felt like Lori got kind of short shrift in this movie. I wanted more of her. Yeah. I don't see how there could have been more of her, to be perfectly honest. Like, I feel like she, she seemed like ex- a supporting character, I guess, was the problem to me. There's nothing more she could have done, though. So it's just it's all not very economical. And you have these things like like I'm thinking of the the babies the dead babysitter subplot and stuff that's really disconnected from anything else in the movie. And there are also these like weird half baked overtures towards explaining something more about Michael's uh, you know psychology. Psych- yeah psychology or what drives him. You know his new like basically the neo Loomis brings up something about what drives the victimizer as well as the victim. Looking at it cynically, that's what helps get michael to the climax of the film physically to carry him to laurie's house because she's no longer in town michael doesn't know where to find her on another hand i felt like that character is basically there to sort of point out sort of the fallacies of all the films that came up until it like oh like we kind of expect there's going to be this character or characters who try and like superimpose this weird like freudian psychology (sighs) or logic into this thing and that doesn't make any sense and the film seems aware that that doesn't make sense so he's dispensed of uh, very unceremoniously. It's very Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> it felt very unfocused. It seemed like it couldn't decide on whether um, Lori or the granddaughter was the protagonist, and I just wanted more of somebody. That's it. I had fun. I like had fun. make 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 Lori a, a supporting, an actual supporting character, and more just a mentor to the granddaughter, and make the granddaughter more like the new Lori, more the protagonist. It mm-hmm. just felt kind of splitting time in a way that was like trying to pay lip service to the long-term fans of the original movie and of Laurie while also setting up whatever the fuck is going to happen. Jesus Christ, guys, we're going to have to watch another one of these fucking movies. <laughs> yeah. It's never going to end. No. So we're going to be doing this forever, yeah. but it was a fun movie. I liked, I liked all the atmosphere. The individual scenes were good. They just didn't connect very well. I was on my, the edge of my seat a lot. I thought there was more suspense in this compared to half of those shitty movies. Oh, than any of them. I mean, the whole like final confrontation was so like nail biting. Yeah, me. like I enjoyed everything that happens once we get to Lori's compound. Yeah, it, like I'm I'm normally not like freaked out. Like, oh my god, is he? But like, I don't care about Michael Myers. This movie made me kind of fear him again. And it could just be that Jamie Lee is so adorable as an old woman. Mm-hmm. I just like empathized with her so much. And yeah, the cynic in me could say, yeah, it's a cheap cash grab. They're going to make a sequel, whatever. I'm probably not going to see it. I don't care. I think this movie stands alone on its own enough. And I kind of like that we know that Michael Myers didn't die. There's a reason that's become a trope. Mm-hmm. I mean, like these movies, slasher movies, this one more so than others because it's self-aware are about about trauma, about like how horrifying it is to be alive sometimes and how random events can totally fuck you up in your entire family for generations. And this is a movie about where for one night, three generations of women get to kind of bond for a moment before they go back to probably hating each other. (laughs) I never felt a lot of tension during this movie. I never jumped. I never felt even mildly anxious. There just wasn't a lot there to me. And And then as for the cash grab, it had an opportunity to distinguish itself and to lend some sort of closure to this fucking thing, or at least make some pretense towards closure. But instead, we just get another ending that is not an ending. It's another non-ending. 
At least, uh, again, H20 did it better. And there was a cynical plan in the works, as we learned earlier tonight, to undo the the closure of H20. At least, you know, give us that instead of just another ending that is clearly not an ending. It was an ending enough. I feel like thematically it wouldn't... The more I chew on it, like the more I like that it is kind of a non-ending. Let me blow your mind. Okay. (laughs) Hot take. The mission and the 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 objective for laurie strode in this movie she thinks it's to kill michael myers but that's not what she was trying to do she wants credibility in her family yeah Mm. she wants to be taken and she gets that so if you can look at the movie that way it works a little bit better if you if you make it not about laurie versus michael who's gonna die and you make it about her family story it works better. But and that's, that's how not, I viewed which, it. Which is what I was getting to and that you summed it up more eloquently than I could have. And yeah, it gets it gets to it in a very messy way. It's not a perfect movie by any means, but I felt satisfied by the ending in a way I didn't expect. I thought like, wow, her daughter and her granddaughter finally kind of like, like they know that everything they've been through is like for a reason. But that's not what the point of the movie is. That's not what anybody is going to see, and that's not what the, the marketing sold us. The point of the movie is Jamie Lee's back. She's 60 or 70 or 80 or however the fuck old she is at this point. How old is she? She's not 80. I know. She's not 80. She's like 60. Yeah. She's in the AARP. I know that. <laughs> the point is she's back, and Michael's back, and we're finally getting the sequel to Halloween that we deserve. Like Nobody's going to find out the story of her family that we've never heard about before. Well, it's not, it's not the movie it's been marketed as, which is kind of a shame. This movie actually did great at the box office this weekend. Uh, it almost reached the record that Venom mysteriously made a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I, I, I see diminishing returns going forward because I think people are going to be really baffled by this. I mean, yeah, it is it is a messy movie to begin with, but it's also like, you know, it's called Halloween. The original film is called Halloween. I think a lot of younger people people or people new to the franchise are going to worry that they're either going to think it's a remake or they're going to be put off thinking that they have to have seen the the entire franchise to understand it and and yeah it's also not really being marketed as like a family drama which i think is what it amounts to i think it's fun enough though that it's accessible it's a fun movie there's fun scenes there's a guy with a knife and they they do uh, allude that you know the concept of Michael Myers just may not be scary in today's world. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that that was, I mean, it's a, it's a throwaway line, but it's something I wondered throughout the entire franchise. Like, why are we so obsessed with this guy who killed five people on Halloween night when we have, you know, routinely every month there's a fucking shooting where 60 people die randomly at a country <laughs> music concert or <laughs> right, in a movie I, theater. I was shocked when I saw the market, like something, uh, uh, the marketing on Twitter for this movie or something. It was like, you know, on Halloween he killed... You know, three or four or five people or something. I was like, shit, I lost four friends last Halloween to the cinnamon challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Call back to 2013. (laughs) Wow. Michael Myers. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, Halloween 2018, in spite of its problems, I will give it a view it. And that being said, I did see it today, and a lot of times I see a movie, and I like it, and then the more I think about it, the shittier it gets. Talking about <laughs> you, Last Jedi. <laughs> um, so I say view it. Patrick? I don't know. I'm on the cue it, screw it threshold. It didn't provide any unique value to me. I mean, it does look beautiful. It's It's got that going for it. It 
probably is actually the best looking Halloween movie. Um, but I don't know. It didn't give me enough else. It's not something I want to watch again. So I guess, I guess cue it. Brad, I'm going to go ahead and give it a view at. Okay. The only view it I've given this whole Halloween franchise. Wow. Um, I really liked how beautiful it looked. I liked the aspect of women power that they seem to put in this movie. And I also just, I really liked how everything just worked out, but only you should see the first movie with it. You should see the first movie and then watch this one. So as someone who is uninitiated into Halloween, this is, this is your movie. This is my movie. If I watch the first one and I watch this one and forget about the rest of the franchise, I would really enjoy the franchise. Hmm. If that was it, if the franchise was just these two movies. And they continue to build off of this movie in particular. Oh, so you want to see a sequel? I will want to see the sequel. Okay. <sighs> well, that's coming. I, I can't say the same, but I will see. I, I, My coworkers, most of them know that I've been on this crazy journey, and they all asked me today if I've seen the new Halloween yet. Most of them have never seen a Halloween movie, like Brad. And... I'm tempted to give it... I'm somewhere between a cue it and a view it. I'll, I'll stick with a cue it. I think if you... If this looks appealing to you, go see it. Set your expectations accordingly. Otherwise, don't bother. If you don't like the original Halloween, I, I don't think there's any use in this movie for you. There's uh, nothing... But I, but I enjoyed it. I actually like walked out of this movie and felt invigorated in a way I haven't in a long time. And I did not expect that, especially based on the reviews I've read. Um, and a lot of the shortcomings of this movie, which are similar to shortcomings in most horror movies, I end up panning. I still ended up feeling kind of kind of energized by the end of it. I, 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 I could see watching this movie on Halloween in the future more than I can see myself watching the original Halloween on Halloween to celebrate the holiday. And really, like if I, I had to grab for one of the two, I would pick this movie in yeah. a heartbeat. And I don't think you actually even need the prerequisite knowledge of the first Halloween to approach this. Movie. No, it stands well enough on its own. I I would be fascinated what it would be like to see this movie without having seen the original Halloween. Much less ten other Halloween well, movies. Yeah, that goes without saying. Uh, well, yeah, nothing uh, nothing revelatory in this movie, which I think is what maybe some horror fans are hoping for. Yeah, no, it's not that kind of movie. It's not going to blow your mind. But it's decent, I guess. Well, that's it. That's our journey. It's over. Every Halloween movie ever. It's over. Until, Until next, next year. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. What are we watching next? Next, can, would you believe it, we're going back to Netflix for a change? Wow. We're in the C's, not the H's. We're watching Cargo. Cargo. Any uh, hints as to what that might be about? I think Patrick it's, knows. It's a zombie thing. It's a Netflix original that came out within the last year or two. And Martin Freeman is in it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for joining us for our very special off-the-wall Halloween review episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we had watching 11 Halloween movies. And if you made it all the way to the end, let us know and we'll send you a moldy pumpkin. We'll send you Steven's <laughs> box set of every Halloween movie that he never wants to watch. Again. Yeah, no, we're I, not going to use them. I am going to stick with my original plan. I, I, need a, I need a crossbow. I guess I could ask my dad for that, but I want to inflict every wound on the 
the visage of Michael Myers in the front of that box set as he sustains throughout the entire franchise. Well, please don't so, set an entire basement on fire when you get to the end of that process. <laughs> the, no, I mean, and I, I said the wounds he sustains, not that the building ah. serves things around him. So I will set the box set on okay. fire in a gotcha. safe place. Okay. Good luck finding it. Surrounded sequel. by plexiglass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's it. So we'll see you. We're doing Cargo in two weeks. Until then, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. I'm Brad. And have a great Halloween, everybody. Halloween.